Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. What do you mean? I'll show you my paycheck. I know. How you doing, dude? It's just I work for a great company that lets me do things like this. You too. Well, you save a shitload of money too, so. Yeah, yeah. Nice. All right, let's get started then. All right. <clears throat> Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. All right. This is episode number 127, Missed Connections. Missed hmm. Connections. Yeah. This, this, this title works in many ways for us today. So. <laughs> All right, Steve, I'm not going to stand for your white zone shit. <laughs> Loading and unloading the white zone only, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's catch up with everyone's week. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll go first, or you can go first. I think. That's no, why the don't only you go first? Two, you never... two choices. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, dude, uh, my week was uh-huh. busy, man. It was good. Yeah? I was uh, it was busy. I did a lot of time at work. Uh, work's just been crazy. I went out to Connecticut twice, and I got a bunch of OT. I'm probably gonna get some more this week. Nice. Um, yeah, which is cool. I love the OT. But uh got some hardware in for my open RC three D printed F one car that uh I've been working on. And it's coming out really good. I'm I'm really pleasantly surprised with how this thing's coming out and it it never ceases to amaze me how well these three D printers actually are doing their job, especially that stupid cheap piece of junk thing that I built myself, man. It just it's it's really you know as long as that bed is leveled and I manually level it, it just mm-hmm. and I got now I got I don't even have like a bed sensor on it. I never got that thing working. I need to have yeah, Mark yeah. Ritchie fly in from Australia and help me out because he's got all the bells and whistles on his. Mm-hmm. But I still use a piece of paper like cardstock to get the the distance set correctly, and then I disconnect and reconnect so everything's zeroed out, and then I start printing every time, and it works every freaking time, man. <laughs> nice. It's been really good. Uh, so Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, dude. So I got hardware in for that, and I started screwing all that together, and I found out, you know, I should do a video. I always say I should do videos, man, but geez, it's just so insanely difficult for me to get that set up. Maybe one day I will, but I found out that I was trying to set the 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 nuts into the plastic <laughs> i know that kind of sounds silly but you have to kind of slide the the nuts in for the m3 screws you know yeah and they have slots all set up but and you know with 3d printing there's a little bit of a tolerance you know difference and it's so minute that you know you don't want to bang the nuts in because you don't want to crack stuff and i was like oh, well let me try heating up the plastic and then or heating up the nut and pushing it in so I was heating it up with my blowtorch, which worked sort of. And then I was like, you know what? Why don't I use my freaking soldering iron? Like set it in there, use my soldering iron, slowly push it in. That was working like a charm, man. So I got that together. And as far as I can go with it, I still have, have some stuff on order. I'm waiting for the motor to come in. And, um, I think I, that's all I have, but the bearings are in and I'm waiting on some, rear tires because i purchased tires and i had to 3d print different rims that were mm-hmm. all online all on thingiverse um you know so i'm waiting on the rear tires to come in and uh should be uh you know running it around 
but it had such a, a weight to it already. I was really kind of surprised. I thought, oh, this is going to be like lightweight thing. It's kind of beefy already, man. And it's only like half together. So we'll see how that comes out, man. But yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. But while I'm on the 3D printing, um, topic, man, I started to get the Steerman all together. Now I have three different fuselages. I started out printing out a green one, a clear one, a blue one. And I started printing out different wings, like a green wing and a, a yellow top wing. So I don't know whether I'm going to paint the first one or I'm just going to take it like with all of the different colored pieces and just fly it and see what happens. I, I'll probably just do that, you know? Yeah. I'd say just fly it. And then, you know, if it all works out great, then just, just print out, you know, the colors you want. Yeah. Cause it's better than painting. Cause I feel like you painted it, it's, it's not going to look, you know, as nice. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm getting that to a point where I have it together and I started to put the landing gear uh, together, which mm-hmm. are these like slotted like wheel pieces. And I, I was talked about the, uh, the springs that I printed out a couple episodes ago. And it's, yep. it's really cool the way it's hinged. And I was like printing out these little like cylinders and the tolerance wasn't the greatest. So, and they were falling over. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, geez, I'm just going to drill it out and use some, uh, three millimeter stock that I have for the three millimeter printer and like just heat the ends together, you know, so it kind of like rivets over. Them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And worked out great, man. So it's, it's pretty crazy the way everything's 3D printed and it actually works like it should. Like it nice. works like a shock. It's, it's yeah, pretty yeah, nuts. Yeah. It's crazy. Man. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I hope I want to get that together soon. I'm printing the top wing out and, uh, I just, I just got to do all those little strut pieces and stuff and, and CA the rest of that together, which brings me to a question I have real quick. What I was doing was I was wearing latex gloves and CA and stuff because I'm, I was getting tired of getting all like chunks of CA all over my fingers. So mm-hmm. that didn't work out too well because the, then the latex gloves like rip and tear, you know? Yeah. So then I started wearing these other gloves that I had that were like cut resistant a little bit. And that worked better, but I still every now and then would get pieces of the glove on the model and stuff like that. So I don't know if there's anything our balsa building listeners do when they're using CA like to to their hands, whether they wear gloves or they put something on their hands or, you know, what works to keep that CA from building up on your fingers. Um, Don't get them on your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> like balsa builders are different because well yeah they set everything right they yeah. they put all the pieces down they set them to where they're gonna glue and then they use like you know thin ca or whatever and just like pipe glue into the joints right so it's different you know we're not so like what i would recommend is just don't touch anywhere where the glue's going just glue put the other piece on and just spray kicker and let it seal you know yeah it's a it's definitely a balancing act because, you know, you got to glue all the pieces together, like standing up all the wing parts and all that, all the fuselage mm-hmm. pieces. And you're trying oh, yeah. to get it so it's seamless, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's not it's not easy at all. No, no, not at all. So let's see. Uh, so Saturday, I go down in the field. We're having another event that uh, Eric is putting on. And it was it was the same kind of deal where it was streamer cut and they did like a bomb drop. And um, I participated in the streamer cut. I brought a plane. I brought a couple planes with me with the old FT Spitfire that I have. Now, this thing is got to be three years old. The first one from 2000, whatever it was, uh, 12, I think, or 14. 
I think it was 12, 2012, the first one. That only lasted a couple years. I built another one. I did the Minwax. I painted it. It's the Dollar Tree foam plane. And the, what the Minwax does is kind of makes the paper a little brittle. So okay. at one point in its lifetime, I had a crack behind the wings, and the fuselage was like in almost in two pieces. And I had hot, sure. hot glued that back together. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed this thing off wherever it was. It's sitting in my garage. I haven't flown it. The last time I flew it, maybe it was last year. Maybe I had it out once six months ago. I don't know. It's been, you know, banged up. The rudder's a little crooked. And so the first I go taking off and I'm throwing it. And there's guys at the field now two weeks in a row because, uh, there, ha- you know, there's pizza showing up. So we get, we're getting a bigger turnout. So I got guys there that I haven't seen in a long time. And I don't know if they even remember how lousy of a pilot I am or how good of a pilot I am. I don't know if they know anything about me so i throw it and the thing banks to the left because that's what it does but now i'm having a really hard time it's going up down it's speeding all over you know and i'm i'm like i can hear these guys yelling out whoa 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 bring it down get it down get it down and it's flying now over by the multi gp and heading straight for the trees and it's pointed like straight up so i finally give it like full right rudder full right rudder and i i've got the left stick Full right rudder on the left stick, and I've got the right stick kind of almost like over and down, where elevator up and and aileron to the to the left a little bit. Okay, and, okay. And it's it's it starts to fly straight, so I get it back around. And I'm like, oh, I better land this thing. And as it's coming around, I see a chunk of the wing like straight up on the on the left side. So I land it, and of course that piece that broke on the fuselage is broken again. So now the fuselage is like flexing back and forth. I'm like, I don't even yeah, know how this boy. thing flew. So I get hot glue. I hot glue everything back together, uh-huh. and I participate in the streamer con back like nothing, dude. Like that plane was flying so good, nice. And I got a little tiny. I don't even know what size motor it is on that thing. It's like a. It's got maybe it's a Park 400, like around that size. I don't think it was 375. I think it's smaller. I think it's. I think it's part 370, but that's like a 2218 can. That's small. You might be right, but I don't remember having one that small, but I don't know. It's so old. I, I got it. Yeah, to go down yeah who it. knows, right? <laughs> so, but that thing was doing really good, man. I mean, it's 3S. It's the, the it's still the, the, uh, Gen, Gen Z's batteries. I'm still using those batteries, man. Wow. The 3S 2200s. Okay. They got to be like six years old. Easy. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm racing around, I'm keeping up with Mike and his, and his, um, and he's slowing it down, but I'm, I'm keeping up with his, his, uh, um, nitro plane that's pulling the streamers around. And I, I cut the first round, I cut a, a streamer. The second round, I got up behind them and, and cut the streamer again. And the streamer wrapped completely around, like coiled up around the motor and was stuck in between like the motor and the rest of the fuselage. And it was making this horrific noise and, it was still flying. So I'm still like out there flying around and everything. And then I'm like, you know what? I probably should land just to see what's going on with this streamer. And, and you could see it from a mile away. The whole nose was red and everything. So I land and I'm like, Oh, I didn't have a spinner on that thing when I took off. You know, I'm laughing and everything. Mm-hmm. I start pulling the streamer off and it's smoking. Like it's, it was starting to burn way down by the motor. The paper, the paper, yeah, the streamer itself. Yeah. 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 The motor is red hot to where you can't even touch the locking piece on the nose of the, of the motor. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So the, the prop nut. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't even touch that. I had to let everything cool down and, and like finally take everything off the, uh, the motor. And, uh, where I was showing that the guys that it started to rub all the plastic off the three control wires, you know, the three motor wires that come up by the motor. 
and it was bare metal and, and they were like oh man you should have just keep flying it and it would have it would have you know burst in the flames i said yeah it that would have been cool been freaking hysterical <laughs> yeah nice so dude I, I took it out for one more flight after that and if i went above half throttle it was going like it was just the motor was fried so I'm, uh, I'm okay. flying around and I'm flying around and every time I went by the flight line, I was going, ree, 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 yeah, yeah, ree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a horrible noise. It was, it was a lot of fun though, dude. And, uh, let's see, what else did I do? Oh, I, I made in the, uh, the S-Box 342 that I got from Cricky mm-hmm. and that thing's 4S min and that thing's a really nice plane. It's a FMS S-Box. Yeah, yeah. The black, the black, white and red, right? There's some red trim on it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 dude, that thing, I it flew great, you know. And I was, I was curious to see how it was going to fly compared to the Sukhoi with the, uh, you know, the whole gyros and all that mm-hmm. stuff. As three X, yeah, As three X, yeah. And it flew freaking great, man. It was really cool plane to fly. Landed really good. Took off really good. I flew it around a couple times, man. I enjoy it. I'll probably have that out of the field again. And um, flew the two eighty five and crash that and i dumb thumb the 690 and crash that yeah that's i want to hear about that what, what, you, what <laughs> and i know what? everybody's dying in here yeah how'd you uh, dumb thumb the 690 first of all you were able to half pure flip motor one way give out and auto it down so what happened this time so the day started off as being really humid and uh-huh like super hot. hot right yeah i got uh-huh. a flight in on the 690 because i wanted to check the one way bearing out mm-hmm. and i had a really good flight the 285, I don't know, a, a link came off or something again. I think I found that link in the, on the runway today, too. Oh, Just, did you? It was I a thought, broken link sitting on the runway. I, <laughs> I, was I like, found both of them. I was like, oh, that's it's, it's definitely from your heli or my heli. Yeah. <laughs> because we're the only ones that beat the crap out of the oxys like that at the field. But, yeah, there was a broken link on the floor. I was like, hmm, I wonder whose that is. Is it mine or yours? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I, I get done flying, I think it was the the s-bach or one of the planes oh, i had the vigan too the 4s vigan and i was banging mm-hmm. that around it might have been that that i got done flying and it was super hot like to where my t-shirt's starting to feel like it's like i'm sweating you know i can yeah, feel yep. it all over and everything and yep. i'm like i should sit down and take a break and the sun's beating down on my head and i'm like mm-hmm. i should take a break and i'm like no no no, i want to fly at 690 one more time so i grab that and i go out to the flight line with it and i spool it up I take off and I'm doing a really slow pirouette. It gets to where it's nose in and oh, as it's coming around to nose in, it's kind of like side in and I pitch it towards myself and then now it's nose in and it's really pitched toward myself and all I saw was the top of those blades mm-hmm. like coming at the whole flight line and I, my brain was like, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> just <laughs> shut it down, house. dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. I probably should have just Went right around, like went inverted and just popped back up again. But yeah, yeah, just just flip it back, do a backflip. I just, It'll you'll push it right away. Yeah, I just stopped and it it went in the ground and I hit throttle hold and I was like, all right, I'm done. And that's really it's not even spectacular, but I was just I blame it's completely my fault and I don't blame anybody else for it, obviously. But uh, I think I think I should have just took a break because I was really super heated, you know at that point yeah, the day. yeah if you're fatigued in any way mentally you, yeah you're not gonna be there when shit like that happens like a moment of like freak out like holy shit what do i do yeah so Instead mike was like, mike yeah. was standing there mike longo and he was like uh yeah i saw the nose drop down and then i just saw it keep going down and i was like i was like yeah dude it's just completely dumb thumbed it and just put it right in so now that that's out of the way <laughs> mm-hmm. 
uh, I'm ready to do some crazy shit. And I got my first crash out of the way. I, I don't. I, I know you mentioned that before, but I'm like, but that things crashed before. It has, but I I never put it in like that. Like I did with the like I do with the oxys. Like that was okay. just a stupid like because I've had those blades on there since the maiden. Since I maidened it and smashed those blades, I've never re- redid those. I've had a couple of autos with that thing and had to fix a few parts. You know, or like a bad, yeah. Come down too low and throw the whole yeah. rest old, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, so it's not that bad though, right? What was the damage? A boom and some blades? It was um the boom was definitely bent. Some blades. Mm-hmm. And what I did was I put an order in and I ordered the blades really, you know, with with the team, uh, I, the blades aren't really that bad at all. If I go with Zeals again, you know, mm-hmm. they're not they're not expensive. It, it was like under a hundred bucks for everything, easy. And then I added, like, I got this type of stuff I get with the oxys, you know, like uh, I got a main gear and I got a the spindle shaft and I got the main, a couple of main shafts or something like that. Just stuff yeah. I could because I don't have any spares for that thing, you know. Right, right, yeah. Those are definitely good spares to have, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's it, man. I mean, it's not. There was no spectacular, you know, anything. I'm not blaming anybody but myself. Just, I can't wait to fly it again. <laughs> nice. And I think that's it, dude, for me. Hopefully, like I said, I'll be maintaining the, the Steerman. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, I can't wait to see that. I can't let that go any later because if it gets really hot, it won't make uh, the main. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it won't last a ride down there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll have to be careful with where I put it. Yeah, yeah. It dude, today was freaking hot, and I'll kind of go into that. But uh, yeah. yeah. So what you been up to, man? So yeah, we you know we usually fly together, but you flew on Saturday. I couldn't make Saturday and ended up flying on Sunday. Originally, I was gonna fly on Monday, but um, the wife was like, "Come on, Monday's gonna be a nice day. Let's go do something." I was like, "All right, so I'll just fly on Sunday. I don't mind if it's like the weather's not reported the best. You know what I mean? Like." Coming right. up on our apps saying that, you know, it's nice weather. You know, because I know, like, if I go down there, I'll have, you know, maybe a couple hours just to get, like, a couple, you know, get some good flights in. And, and then if it rains out, whatever. Not a big deal. But, um, yeah, I flew on Sunday. And, I mean, by the time I got there, it was, like, five minutes of drizzle. And then it was no rain for the next four hours. Nice. So I got about, you know, three, four hours of worth of flying in. Um, I was able to main the Synergy E5 Super Stretch 700. Super Stretch. Super Stretch. Yeah. Um, Synergy Super Stretch. I say that because uh, I hear that Texas Superfood uh, commercial. I know you you don't listen to the same radio I listen to, but uh, I don't know. the one guy who says it, I've been eating Texas Superfood, and I'm always like, so now when I hear Super Stretch, I'm like, Super Stretch? But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, when he had, I actually brought two battery packs with me, two 5,000 success pulse. Okay. Um, but I only had one, I only, one pack only had Velcro on it, the other one did it, and no oh. one, no one else was flying there. Like, Rich and, um, I forgot the guy's name. Rich and another quad person was there, but okay. they were like, they were there to like, set up for the next day's like you know um quad stuff right like, they have, like some multi-gp stuff so so you know rich was mowing the lawn and and they were setting up flags and stuff so like no one brought anything so i was like i guess i'm going to do one flight on the the e5 um i did record it i gotta say that helicopter is light it's it's sub nine pounds it's 8.6 pounds um when i weighed it 
with the flight battery and everything ready to go. And wow, it is super light, and you can definitely tell it's super light. But I did watch that video. Yeah, it was pretty good, right? Like it, yeah. it just felt light. I was like, whoa! I pop it up, and I'm like, okay, you know, piro piro piro. Okay, I guess I'll pull out of it now. Um, and then you know, I did the 1500, 1700, 1800 head speeds. That's what uh, Rybert recommended, and you know, it flew. It flew really good. Um, you know, no complaints on my end on on Sunday. I'll kind of go into it today because I did fly again today. But uh, so, and then I got a couple of flights in on the Black Nitro, and I got a couple of flights on the Black Thunder, um, and also my N three flights on the Oxy three, which the third flight I dumb thumbed the crap out of that Oxy three. Oh boy. I, yeah. Uh, too bad I had it on video, but too bad it wasn't focused for some reason. Um, the whole flight it didn't focus any of it. I don't know why. I guess the focus got locked into something else. But um, yeah, you just see me. I'm like half pure flip, half pure flip, and then now no positive, half pure flip into the ground. <laughs> so, oh um, so that one, the tail got like literally was like an S shape. It kind of went one way and then oh, the way. And the only thing that was holding the tail boom on was the belt. Like it clean cut, but the belt was still good inside there. So like it was just dangling from the belt. So I, I did a crazy number on that one. After that, uh, well, actually, before that, you know, I was charging up for that for Sunday, right? So this was uh, Saturday night, and I'm I'm charging up, and I'm in the garage, and I got the charger going, you know, and I'm, I'm charging these 5,000 success packs. And all of a sudden, I see a – I hear, like, a little tick. And look at where my charger I see a big spark. Oh. And then I just see my eye charger for 4010 just go poof. And I was like, oh, I shut it off immediately. And I'm like, oh, man, maybe it's a power supply because it looked like it didn't come from the charger. It looked like it came from underneath the charger where the power supply is, uh, where the charger sits on top of. It's a power supply. Right. So, you know, I know you're like, oh, why don't you try 12S or whatever. And I was like, okay. Um, I ended up, you know, I tried plugging in just to one. And I was like, oh, nope, this one definitely didn't work. It didn't even turn on the eye charger. I tried the next one. I was like, oh, shit, the eye charger booted up. As soon as it booted up, I just see poof, a big plume of smoke coming from the eye charger. I was like, oh, no, this is definitely the eye charger. Because I took apart the case. Like, I took the top cover off, and I just had the power supply and the charger there. Right. So I eliminated everything else out of the picture, right? The, right, right. The power switches and all that stuff. The You know, like I have a, you know, what do you call it inside there, a power strip and stuff. I just, I just, it was like power strip directly plugged into the wall and my, you know, four millimeter bullets going from the, the charger into the, the power supply. And you had so nothing it, hooked up to the charger, right? Nothing hooked up. Yeah. Just powered up and went poof. I mean, a big plume of smoke. Oh, I was like, man. Oh, there goes my charger. And I guess probably the power supply is bad too. And that's why, you know, like it just, it just either the power supply went or the charger went and took out the power supplies. Either way, all three of them, two power supplies and the charger are fucking cooked. Damn. So I'm like, oh, man. I, I how do I charge now? So I, I rushed to go to Micro Center and I went and bought like a, just a cheap, you know, 12 volt power supply. And I wanted to get something small because the one I, I had originally for the ISDT charger, I tried hooking that up and I was like, it's not working. It was a used charger I got from a, a computer that I salvaged. So, um, you know, whatever. It was free and it didn't work. Not a big deal. Cool. So I'll buy another one. And I bought a Micro ATX one or Mini ATX. No, ITX. So it's like a small form factor, 12 volt, you know, handles 12, 14 amps, whatever it is. I don't need anything crazy for the ISDT charger. I just want something 
the form factor to be small enough I could fit in that little box. Right. So I get that. I, I you know, it's funny because the guy's like, do you want to get warranty? I was like, nah, this is for a project. I'm, <laughs> I'm, as soon as I open this up, I'm cut all the leads off. And he's like, oh, okay. I guess you don't need the warranty. <laughs> he, no, no. First he said, well, when you cut the leads off, you can come back and get another one. And I was like, What's the point? I'm just going to cut the leads off of the other one again. <laughs> like, I didn't understand that. But anyways, I was like, okay, you know, I got this charger and, you know, it wasn't working. I was like, oh, man, do I have all my other chargers? I never had to put load on a, on a 12-volt or 5-volt circuit. Like, it would just work. Like, and the charger itself was enough load for it to, to work. Okay. And I was like, it's not working. It's not working with my, um, sorry, with my Eternity charger, right, the reactor I had. I know we were talking about that um, on the last show because yeah. um, Wes uses that. Yep. And I'm like, every time I try to charge, it says, you know, it gives me an error and says the, what do you call it? The input voltage error. And I was like, input voltage error. So something with the power supply. Try it, you know. So I bought that other power supply, you know, got it work, you know, got it all like built up. And I was like, oh, I still got the same error message. Like, maybe I need to add load, right? Because when you look at instructional videos on how to make a computer power supply into a 12-volt, you know, um, base station or whatever you call it, uh, power supply station, you know, one of the things is like, well, depending on if 12 volts, the higher average or the 5 volt is, you want to put a dummy load on it so that way the power supply thinks that there's load. Okay. So I put load on it. You know, I put a, a 10 watt, you know, 10 ohm, 10 watt. A resistor, right? Right. Okay, I'm like, all right. Well, the other one, it, you know, it still said the same thing. And I was like, oh, man, so maybe this is charger. Maybe maybe that's why I stopped using it. I, I don't remember. It was such a long time ago. So I go and get the ICD charger. And, I, you know, that takes XC60s as your input and output. So I'm like, okay. Output's fine because I could just plug in a battery directly into it. And the input, I'm like, all right. So let me make a, an XC60 to... A four millimeter or whatever, you know, like, um, oh no, not XC60 to another XC, like, you know, to a connector, right? So I could plug it into the power supply. Right. And I, I make the connector and I'm like, oh, well, this works. And I'm, I'm feeling the, the resistor for the dummy load. And I'm like, holy shit, this thing is cooked. This thing is like really, really hot. Oh, I'm like, so I'm like, okay, this resistor is not, you know, suited for this, right? It's just not high enough, uh, watt capability, I guess. So I'm like, I forget it, cut it off. And I was like, you know what? Let me try without the load. ICT just it booted up. I'm like, okay, let me put in a, a 6L, you know, 1050 battery to charge a small one. And it charged it. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, it works. Cool. So maybe the other charger's not working. So, you know, I bought all these power supplies and all this crap. And it's like, okay, whatever. I got a charger. I, I, I got something working. Dude, if you ever need anything like that again, let me know. Because I have those two original power supplies that i had they're giant they're like cigar box size <laughs> yeah remember those i don't know if you remember those i brought them yeah, out like yeah, one yeah. or two times like yeah bingles well ibm ones yeah they're um they have four mil connectors on them I, I just saw them the other day um when i was looking in my shed for power supplies for you yeah, um, I mean, it's but not they're, a ready, deal they're ready to I, roll if, if you ever need anything like that I, again. I needed something small anyways and so I was like, I'll just buy one. It's you know, it's yeah. twenty bucks or three bucks, whatever it was. It wasn't that big of a deal, but um, but when that when my you know I charger took a dump, I'm just like, fuck, what do I do? You yeah. know, yeah, I could build another charging station, and you know, and I was like, 
What am I talking about? I got a guy. I got a guy. <laughs> I got a guy. So this was like Saturday or whatever. I'm like, you know, happy Memorial Day, uh, <laughs> Joe. My charger blew up. Let's talk about, you know, a new charger case for myself. So he hit me up um, Monday and was like, yeah, what do you need? And I was like, okay, you know, I'm looking at this case or this charger. And what's the smallest case? Because I don't want to carry a big case. I don't I don't want a, a big case with, you know, a handle and wheels and all that stuff. I just want a case I can, like, pack in a car small enough that, you know, it's smaller, as, as small as my current rigid case. I wanted something like that size or smaller. Yeah. I think that's a good size, man. I don't like the really small ones, and I don't really like the the large, extra large ones, like you said. Yeah, the ones that are like a foot deep inside. Because <laughs> they're just they're too much. It's overkill for what what I need for. Right. So, you know, I wanted to try the Revelectrics um, Dual PL6 Dual, whatever, PL6 Dual Touch. So it's the new Revelectrics charger that... It uses a bump controller right on top and has a little touch screen with the bump controller, but that's what you use. It's not like the other previous model where you had your dual power lab eight per se, and then you had a bump controller on top of that to control it. Okay. So this is like an integrated all in one unit. So it's between a PL eight or PL six, and I was like, you know what? I'm kind of done with the whole seven seventy seven eight hundred size heli. Like I'm, I'm kind of done with the fourteen S setup. Like I sold. You know, pretty much everything that I had with that, right. the 766 and stuff. So I'm like, I, I don't need anything more than 6S, really, you know. Yeah. So I chose, you know, to just to save money and space because it's a little bit smaller. The PL, the dual Power Lab 6 with the touch uh, bump, touch control thing. You know, Joe was like, well, what are you looking for? And I sent him like a picture of like, well, you know, something like this pro case. But, you know, I want this. I want some storage and I want some stuff. So we started kind of talking to conversation about it and... You know, next thing I know, it's on order. Nice, credit, dude. My credit card paid. <laughs> I paid my credit card, and I'm like, shit, I should have spent this money, but whatever. Joe <laughs> gave me a good deal, and, you know, and I appreciate it. So uh, I was like, screw it. Whatever. Let's do it. It's a good thing that Hunter is working part-time, dude. Yeah. Bring a little money in. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Got to put that kid to work uh, quick. You better hope that the internet crashes by the time he's 18 so he never finds out how much money you're spending. <laughs> He'd be like, Dad, what the hell? Yeah, where's my college fund? <laughs> Same place where my college fund was. Shit. Go get it yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyways, you know, so yet I, so I spent a lot of money again in the hobby. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I do this. I, I'm like, it's like I almost like, I don't know. It's almost like I, I I'm hurting myself. Like I don't I know I shouldn't be spending this money, but I'm like, but I need a charger. <laughs> Dude, you, you might as well do it now. And you know, like we we always say, you know, it's you you went the DIY route. You you had yeah. that. Look, look how many years you you actually saved money having that. You know, so I mean, I got that charger used for like two hundred bucks. Yeah, the I, the I charge a forty ten. Plus, I built the case by myself, so that cost me you know maybe fifty bucks in supplies. And so, like, yeah, I mean, for for years, I had a great charger for a very great price, but now, you know, it's it's, it's time to step up my game a little. So yeah. I figure, let's let the pros uh, build me a, an awesome case that I can use for years and years. So, and you can tell us how that works, you know? Yeah, yeah, and plus, that's another thing. Like, you know, I like getting 
products that I've never messed with, like the bump controller or Revelatrix uh, chargers. Right. And you know, now I can do a review on the show and talk about it. So that's it's definitely a win-win in my book, um, except for the cost, <laughs> except for having to shell out a lot of money. But now, did know. anything happen to the battery you were charging at the time when this happened? No, nah, no, nah. the battery's no, good. Fine. Yeah. Fast forward to today, um, I actually had today off because I had to take the dog in for a vet visit, his first checkup, plus like, you know, he had to get some shots and, and you know, so I figured let me take the day, you know, because I was going to go get him, you know, licensed and registered at the town and all that stuff and just kind of get everything situated. Dude, you took a day off for the dog? Yeah. Well, plus, you know. Well, I mean, I, I I had two floating holidays, so I figured I might as well use it. So that doesn't include my 180 hours of vacation oh. I still have. Yeah, I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say that doesn't include the 180 days I have left to take off. <laughs> no, no, I laugh. It's it, they go by hours. So 180, what is that? Like three weeks? You know, a little on, a little over three weeks. Wait a minute, you have three weeks of time left to take off. Yeah, I didn't take any vacation this year, really. Like, I took like one or two days here and there, but what? You didn't take any vacation? No, because of, because of my sabbatical and Ugh. you know, and I if I'm sick, I'm it. sick. I can't you stand know? it. <laughs> my brain is seeing the helicopter drive itself into the ground all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, you got to work for my company. I know that sucks going to Brooklyn, but <laughs> maybe that's what I was thinking of. How many days does Steve have off? Oh shit. <laughs> oh shit i didn't think about flying the damn helicopter Oops. Uh, no anyway. dude god bless you dude because we all work hard dude everybody yeah. i know all us working class knuckleheads we we work yeah. hard no matter what we do and yeah. i know you do dude going out there I, you know i like busting your chops though <laughs> yeah that's nah, cool man of course yeah. of course you, you have to bust your chops dude, because you every get, other week i'm like off oh, for some shit and you get the last laugh anyways you're off again yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so I went out flying today. Yeah. I was like, you know what? So I have my ISDT charger, the little Q6 I got from Joe at OHB. You know, I picked it up there for like whatever it was, 40, 50 bucks, whatever the charger is. And um, so I got to work with the power supply and everything. I was like, okay, what do I need to fly tomorrow? What do I need to charge so I can fly tomorrow? Because I didn't have much time. It was pretty late last night. And I'm like, all right, two 5,000 success pulse for the E5. And I'm gonna make it a synergy day. I'm gonna bring the E5 out, and I'm gonna bring my N7. So I just need a, I just need to have 5,000 RX pack charged for that, which was pretty much charged. It was like 4.0. I just had to top it off, and then I, um, and then I got those two 5,000 packs charged. So I was like, all right, I got two flights on the E5, and I got like at least five or six on the N7, and that's all I need. Just an hour, an hour and a half out in the field, it'd be great. You stink. Uh, I got the two flights in on the synergy. It was awesome, you know. It's, one thing I noticed is this helicopter is very light, but I feel like I'm harder on this helicopter than I am on any of my other helicopters. And it's not one of those helicopters like the Goblin where it's like, you know, can take whatever you could throw at it. It definitely needed a little more finesse than I was giving it. Um, not that, you know, anything happened. There was no incidents. Like, it was fine. I, I flew it, you know, did my five minutes, landed, no problem. Um, but my telemetry was reporting that I was peaking over 160 amps on the 130 oh. amp ESC. Oh, my God, so, dude. Yeah, it, which is crazy because I had the same ESC on my Goblin 700, which weighs three pounds more, and I'm only pulling 120 amps. So go figure. <laughs> but, the, but that wasn't success, though. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, so 12. obviously the 6S is going to do it, but I don't know. Um, so I, I might have to reevaluate that that power system in there. Maybe throw in that uh, Hobby Wing 160 I have because that can handle 200 peak for 10 seconds. The Tribunus can handle, I think, 160 for 10 seconds, but I don't know how long I've been peaking for. You know, who knows? Um, I did hear the motor kind of bog, and I think on both flights I kind of came down where – the ESC was cutting out on me. <laughs> oh, geez, so I wasn't dude. very gentle on the batteries either. <laughs> so uh, one thing I do want to notice is that, or say is that, you know, I landed I landed the e- E5, right? The 700, the stretch, super stretch 700. And I, I landed and I'm like, what's that smell? Nothing's oh, on fire, but something smells like kind of sweet. And, you know, it's, it's not a normal smell that comes out of a helicopter. And I'm like, you know, no, the gears, the plastic's not like melting or anything because it was pretty hot today. But, you know, not, none of that stuff. And I'm like, okay, the battery pack's really hot. And I'm like, wait a minute, the battery stinks. Oh, Why does the battery stink? I've never, <laughs> like, I've never had this happen. And I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I definitely, you know, it's like 3.7 on the battery. So I, I drained it down to 15%. And it was hot and it was puffed a little. Um, even with the pulse packs that have that metal, um, shield around it that kind of keeps it from really puff, puffing up. Um, was puffed, <laughs> pushed. You know, you could, you could. It was spongy. Oh god! And, and I'm smelling, and I was like, okay, that's the smell. I don't know why this battery smells, but okay, we'll let it cool down. The other battery, um, one of our club members, Bill, the club president, actually came by, and he was like, "Oh, you're gonna stay for a while?" I was like, "Nah, I'm pretty much done." He's like, "Well." Why don't you fly? He's like, oh, no, my batteries are done. He's like, oh, and I didn't bring a charge. He's like, well, here. So he, he's like, here's my 4010 charge. You know, so I ended up charging another pack and doing another flight on it. But the N7 was the interesting one. First of all, I had tons of problems for some reason. Started up. It's running good. As soon as I started taking off and started spooling up, it just cuts out. I'm like, why the hell is the motor cutting out? Try it again. Start it up. Spool up. Cuts out again. I'm like, all right. Something's weird on it let me take a look i was like it's probably the plug right you know the glow plug file whatever take it out and what do i see in the glow plug i see a little red piece of our tv from the exhaust oh jeez! <laughs> because that got sucked in there from when i did the exhaust swap from the power boost to the pro 2 105 and then i went back to the power boost right on that and i was like oh i guess that's it to put a new glow plug in i did Two awesome flights on it, like banging the shit out of it, 10 feet off the ground, just freaking, you know, basically abusing the heli. Love it. On the third flight, though, about half tank, and I'm doing a big power loop. I get to the top of the power loop, and I usually do like a, you know, I, I go tail in, right? I, I fly backwards, do a big power loop. At the top, I do a 180, and I go nose down and, and come out nose. But I rotate the tail, and the tail didn't rotate. I'm like, okay, you know, I get the helicopter just continuing the, the loop. So now it's tail in with, um, you know, probably about 100 feet off the ground, tail in. I had it up pretty high, and I'm like, let me try moving the tail again. I'm like, oh, shit, I don't have tail. <laughs> oh, I don't have man. tail. Okay. So I'm like, all right, let me, you know, just tilt the disc and bring it, like, to my left side, like, around 10 o'clock and just bring it in slowly, and I'll just, you know, shut off the motor and auto it down. And about... As it got up to like, you know, about 50 feet away from me. And I'm like, oh, 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 no, the tail's moving on its own. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, 
straight instant, just boom, throw out a hold. And I'm like, all right, I'm autoing the sucker. And I auto it down. Softest landing ever. Like, better than when I try to really, when I'm practicing autos or anything else. So it came down perfectly fine. And I recorded a little video that I, I sent you guys. I sent you, uh, Kevin. And it was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself in the video. I'm like, normally this would be a walk of shame, but <laughs> I saved the damn helicopter that was that had no tail. So I'm not calling this the walk of shame. <laughs> The 7006 BK Servo decided to stop working. Oh, really? Yeah. The gears are fine, but it wasn't holding. Like, you know, I could just take it and turn it while it's powered up. So I think either one of the pots went bad or the motor itself or the circuit, you know, the circuit board inside. Something just gave out. You know, whatever. It is what it is. The helicopter didn't crash, so I'm not fouled about it. And, you know, just buy a new tail servo. It's not a big deal. Um, so cool. yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of little things, but nothing crazy. So today was a, I know, in my opinion, was a very successful f- day of flying. Um, so, you know, nice. I, I can't ask for anything more, you know, basically over amping one heli and, you know, coming down a low voltage twice on both batteries and, and then, you know, almost basically losing the tail and the helicopter on the N7, which I don't want to crash that thing. It's, it's too much to fix and i don't want to i don't want to bother with that so nice so joining us today uh we have lane from lane's plane yeah yeah uh they actually said hey come on the show and i went are you crazy do you know me (laughs) (laughs) have you ever listened to the podcast that i you know yeah yeah, Uh, i'm I'm out of control (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome all right so yes Let's uh let's get to know Lane. How long have you been in the hobby? Well, that's kind of interesting. Uh, in two thousand and would have been two, maybe three. Um, of course, I, I I raced RC cars and trucks, you know, for I don't know since about ninety five, mm-hmm. uh, but not real hardcore or anything. Just you know, had some Tamiya stuff, things like that. And uh, in 2000, would have been two probably, uh, I had a captain that I worked with in the Army out in Virginia. And he was a, a Chinese guy. And his wife was coming back home to the U.S. from China. And he had collected up a ton of stuff that she didn't know he had. So <laughs> he said, hey, uh, you want to buy some stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a, a helicopter, a light machines uh, oh, LMH. 110 i think it was okay uh, fixed well not a fixed pitch but it had a it had a really weird gyro on it, a mechanical gyro on the tail oh, and uh, it was had a little like 049 or something like that on it uh but fixed pitch and i was like yeah sure what the heck so i think i paid him 50 bucks for it and i learned to fly that in my backyard just beat the crap out of that poor thing and then kind of that was about all I had. I kept fixing it and fixing it and fixing it, and then uh, moved to Fort Riley, Kansas. Uh, of course, I was in the army this whole time, mm-hmm. and down at Riley, we had a house with a pretty well, probably about forty or fifty acre field behind it. I came back from my first tour in Iraq, and I said, "You know what? I think I can uh, fly airplanes. Let me buy one." So I did what most people did and got me a nice trainer. It's called the Great Plane Slinger. Uh, flying wing (laughs) Uh, so 
a 48-inch flying wing on a Speed 400 brushed motor with a little plastic spoon-type prop, and mm-hmm. I think it was seven-cell nickel batteries. Oof. And I, I built the thing and took it out in the back and chucked it. And I had, a, I think, I had a Laser Four uh, Focus, or yeah, a Laser Four radio, maybe a Focus Four radio. The it was just a cheap. I, I, it didn't even have mixing, so I had to get a little uh, mixer, you know, electronic mixer for the mm-hmm. to get Elevons. <laughs> and I took it out back and threw it, and uh, went to turn, and I hit left aileron, which at the time barely knew what aileron was, uh-huh. and it just rolled into the ground. And I was like, well, this thing doesn't turn. There's something wrong with it, and so. I, picked it up and fixed it and threw it again and went to turn and same thing rolls into the ground and scratched my head took it inside fixed it again and just sat there on the on the with it on the countertop just staring at it for a minute and i said why won't this turn and i kind of tilted my head and looked at it and i was like wait a minute it doesn't know what up is up is the top of the airplane no matter how it's sitting in the air so if i turn it onto its side and pull up it should turn and Mm -hmm. i was all excited and I went outside and I threw it and flew through a whole battery which lasted about six minutes nice. <laughs> and then landed it and uh, and that's how I learned to fly um, oh, wow yeah it lasted huh. uh, oh a couple more weeks and then I bought another one because that one was in rough shape mm-hmm. and flew that for a while in fact then I entered a contest in uh, a new it was a new uh, forum at the time Oh, God, which one was it? I cannot remember the name. It wasn't RC Groups or RC Universe or one of them, but it was, a, it was another one. And they were doing a, a uh, just a f- video contest. And I said, well, I'll enter a video contest. I've been flying for about three weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. And I had no idea what anybody was doing or I wasn't in any forums really or anything like that. Hadn't been to any shows, nothing. Mm -hmm. I never even watched anybody fly an RC plane really. And uh, so I made this video and by today's standards, it was quite humorous. Um, But with this stupid slinger and I had some good music playing and you know, what can a slinger do? It can do loops and it can do rolls and that's about it. Uh, And so, you know, I was excited to do a roll and not crash <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and to do a loop and not, and not lose control of the thing. And then we got in the back of the pickup and we f- drove down the road while I was in the back of the truck, flying the airplane in front of the, in front of the truck. And we had that in there. Uh, oh, <laughs> wow. and, and then we got the wild idea of night flying. So we put a couple of glow sticks on it. That's all I had was some chem lights and I taped them to it and I flew it at night. And all you see is these three little dots just kind of flying through the air a little bit. Uh, and I entered that video in this contest, and uh, they they gave me what was called what they called the Yugo Award, uh, the guy who did the most with the least. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, and that was my first introduction to to the 3D type of flying when I watched some of the other videos, and I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so so that was my my basic introduction to flying, and since then it's just kind of gotten out of control. Um, my next airplane was a. Uh, a Zaggy Taz, which was the brushless, uh, and that had a three-cell lipo, and that was actually donated to me by one of the moderators of RC Universe. I can't remember his name right off. Uh, Greg, uh, I can't remember his last name. He got Zaggy and got a bunch of people together, and they they paid for this whole thing, uh, including a uh, a decent radio, and they shipped it over to Iraq for me, and I built it and flew it in Iraq. So, and then, you know, Superflies and, and, and all those cool airplanes back then, some GWS stuff. And we had a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff in Iraq that we flew. Uh, and, 
you know, so since then it's, <laughs> it maybe has, the hobby has grown slightly for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, so nice. yeah, now there's a, a 50 CC biplane sitting next to me and uh, I'm out in the shop right now and, you know, a whole wall full of airplanes, some of them in need of repair, stuff that does 150, stuff that does, you know, 10 miles an hour. Uh, not to mention all the ones that I've designed myself and that, that we mm-hmm. now sell. Awesome, man. We'll, we'll get into some of your plane stuff, too. Um, so do you fly just planes or do you also fly helis or any multirotors anymore? I have a HMB 235 from mm-hmm. uh, multi RC. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing you guys talk about that all the time on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I have uh, two of Crash's OPQs. Okay. Um, and my son, my 16-year-old, actually has uh, Crash's personal, I think it's a Blade 200. Okay. Uh, Crash gave that to him uh, about about uh, two months before he passed away. Uh, they, they share the same birthday. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, so that was kind of a neat thing for them. They'd always talk on their birthday every year. Uh, right, right. And other than that, that's about all I have for quads. I have, I did design one uh, that I cut on the laser, and honestly, mm-hmm. I kind of put it together and haven't finished it, and that was two years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so quads aren't really my thing. I do like my little inductrix. That thing's fun to fly around the shop. Yeah, yeah, those are fun. Yeah, and then uh, as far as helicopters, I just sold my last helicopter about uh, two months ago, and that was a, oh, help me out, uh, Gowie yeah, Hurricane, Hurricane. Okay, 425 five, or 450 uh, 500 or 500. It was yeah. a 500 or a 550. 550, okay. A, yeah, Hurricane 550. That's the one I got rid of a couple months ago. And that's it. I don't even have helicopters anymore. Cool. So I do have a gyro. Does that count? Yeah. An auto gyro? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's yeah. the... If you've never flown one, you should get one because yeah. they're they're weird and fun very at the weird. same time. <laughs> they're just they're different than helicopters because you think like, okay, well, I just spool up and I can take off, but like you spool it off and you like you have to give forward momentum or it doesn't <laughs> get lift, right? So yeah, they're they're weird flying, and uh, you know you got to really be on the rudder, but uh, mm-hmm. but they're they're fun, and it makes yeah. people scratch their head because most people don't get to see them very often. Yeah, yeah. Now we saw one at the club. And I was like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> well, that's the thing, too, right there. Usually rudder and elevator, and and that's about it on those, right? Or am I mistaken on that? Um, well, that, I mean, that has, and throttle. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, throttle, aileron, because it flies like a, it's got a rotor head just like a helicopter, mm-hmm. uh, except the, the pitch doesn't change. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like fixed pitch well, with, with ele- like ailerons. I mean, sorry. Ailerons, but elevator is actually done on the rudder, though, still, and the rudder. Yeah. Yeah. I guess well, the elevator's ones... done on the elevator. Yeah. I guess that's the that's it, it, mm-hmm. it, it'll tilt the rotor system left and right, basically, for, for aileron. Okay. I didn't think it did that. On the ones I've seen, I don't, don't know if I've actually... Well, I guess it would have to, right? There's, there's no dihedral on it to keep it upright. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. this one's... The one that I've got's about uh, just short of four feet, probably, span. Uh, it's turned tip to tip. So oh, wow. Ooh, it's, wow. It's pretty good size. Yeah, yeah. definitely pretty good size. Wow. Okay. Uh, let's see here. So, so what got you interested in the first place? It was just, you know, your, 
your old army buddy just kind of pawning stuff off to you or <laughs> no i've i've always been interested in rc uh even when my when i was a little kid you know 10 mm-hmm. 12 years old my brother had a sailplane just uh, i think it was a gentle lady that sure. he built from a kit and he tried to fly it a couple times and never really never really flew it uh and so we had tower hobbies magazine you know or the catalog always come into the house yeah and You'd look in there and you're like, oh, that's so cool. It's only $120, you know, and you don't mm-hmm. realize at the time that there's another $500 to be spent. Right. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> coming from a, a family of, of six kids, uh, you know, farm family, farmers mm-hmm. back in, in those days, they, there was no money in farming. Uh, yeah. Everybody was just barely making it. And with six kids, you know, we I, I didn't get my first new pair of jeans until I was in fifth grade. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, everything I had up until that point was a hand-me-down, mm-hmm. and uh, I still remember that day I got my first new pair of jeans. <laughs> nice. But yeah, so I was always interested in it, but obviously couldn't afford it. I started working when I was, uh, well, on the farm, of course, when I was about nine, mm-hmm. but uh, we didn't get paid anything. Um, mm-hmm. So I had my first real job when I was 14, and uh, was making three fifty an hour uh, working on a farm uh, mm-hmm. for my, my cousin, and uh, worked for him for a couple of years. And then got a job in town when I was 15. Uh, in Nebraska, you can drive uh, at 14. So we'd drive to school. I bought my first car when wow. I was 14. Wow. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, wow. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> well, you can't drive anywhere. You can drive to school and you can get a, a work yeah. permit also. Like so a you junior license, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you can start at 14 and uh, you have to be like, I don't know, 10 miles or something away from the school to be able to do it. And there's some really simple rules like that. But yeah, all by yourself. So I had uh, I bought my first car, my 69 Charger. Uh, when I was 14. Nice. Uh, yeah, 14 with a 69 Charger. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it's sitting about uh, 40 feet from me right now. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, you still have it. That's so cool. That is yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, so started working and, you know, then I realized, of course, about when I was 14, I realized that uh, women were more important than uh, than toys. So <laughs> all my money went into, <laughs> went into women and uh, just so happens the one I was dating when I was 15 is sitting about two feet from me. Uh, <laughs> the poor girl has been married to me for 25 years. Oh, wow. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Uh, we hit 25 years December 19th and of, of last year, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going on our honeymoon in September. We never had a honeymoon. so. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, so, so she told me that we were going on a honeymoon, and then I had to write big checks. And now apparently I'm getting on a really big boat and going somewhere where there's warm water. So because I'm, I don't want to hit an iceberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No time to not care. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so awesome, obviously man. I don't, I don't get rid of things very well, as you can tell. I've got my first car, and I've got <laughs> not my first girlfriend, but you know, definitely one of the earlier ones. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so let's see here. What kind of pilot would you describe yourself as? Uh, absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could. Cr- no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if you've ever, if you have you have you guys ever seen me fly? <laughs> oh yeah, fly fast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was I, flying a Goblin Seven Hundred while you were doing some speed passes on the uh, all the way to the right side. Nice. <laughs> uh, were, you, were you there last year when I had the the midair right there uh, at the center? <laughs> I we were there and we heard about it, but I didn't actually see it because we were all, we were on the right side, so we didn't see. It. But yeah, I heard you had a midair with like a FT duster or something. Uh, it was no, it was some kind of. It was made out of. I think it was actually made out of EPP, and okay. it was 
kind of like a star destroyer looking thing. Uh, and the guy was cooler than heck. So, I mean, sure. he was a, he was probably close to my age and he was flying at, and you know, at, at flight fest, it's so busy in the air right. that if you want to fly something, you're always taking a chance. Yes. Um, and when you put something that does over 120 in the air, uh, you're taking a very much chance because mm-hmm. you can only see so far ahead of you because you have to watch what you're doing. Um, right. And so I came across the field at about 20 feet and about 125 miles an hour. And my wingtip, about, oh, six inches in or so, I would assume, caught that airplane and pushed me straight into the ground at a, over 120. And uh, just made a little cut in his airplane, and he was fine other than that. Yeah. Uh, How many pieces of boxes did you pick annihilated. up? <laughs> yeah, it was like forty-eight landings all at once because that's about how many pieces I picked up. Yeah. Um, just absolutely destroyed the entire nose of the airplane. It was it uh-huh. was fabulous, best crash <laughs> right. ever. And that was a Cuda, right? Yeah, that was the thirty-five-inch Cuda. Thirty-five. Okay, cool, <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, besides Lane's planes, is that what you do for a living, or do you also, you know, have a day job? Um, well, I have a day and a night job. Um, I'm, I'm actually a commercial helicopter pilot. Wow. So I, uh, for the last, well, of course my last, uh, eight years of the army, I was flying Blackhawks and then I switched over. I was a flight instructor teaching, uh, uh, initial entry and, uh, foreign students in the OH 58 Kiowa. So that's what I did for my, my last two years. (laughs) And then I retired. And in fact, I retired December 2013 after 21 years uh three months and 29 days not but who's counting um (laughs) (laughs) as long as that pension's uh, coming who's counting that's right so i actually took a job in october october 7th i took a job and retired in december so i took a job flying for midwest med air in uh, nebraska flying Mm -hmm. an ec-135 single pilot Mm -hmm. ifr helicopter uh emergency medical Mm -hmm. um I left Midwest October, or I'm sorry, March 20th of this year, and I've been unemployed since March 20th. Um, my new, and we've just been doing lanes playing since then. Right. Uh, my new job starts June 11th, and that'll okay. be in uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota, and I'll be flying an EC-145, a bigger, faster, more powerful. Mm-hmm helicopter and it's actually brand new it's actually an h145 uh, so it has the fenestron tail rotor nice and and it's also single pilot ifr uh, mm-hmm. and i'll be flying that out of aberdeen south dakota so really looking forward to that that's cool those helicopters are awesome yeah, oh, especially with the fenestron tail that's so cool yep they are great aircraft nice uh, so you said that was your, your day job. So what's your night job then? <laughs> Same thing. Uh, we work seven days on, seven days off. Ah, uh, okay. Some, sometimes we do 14 days on, 14 days off. So what we do is we do, for example, if we're on a 14 and 14 schedule, we'll do seven mm-hmm. days and then we'll do seven nights. So yeah, so that's my day and my night job. It just depends okay. on the, the, the time of the week. The week, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jeez, Lane, I thought I worked hard <laughs> and I'm always complaining. <laughs> Holy cow, man. I can't even keep up with this conversation. Trust me. There's very few people that Peter Chan, I think is the only person that can keep up with me. Uh, and uh-huh. actually I think, I think Pete wears me out. Yeah. So and, and yeah, I think he wears like, out a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. 
that is really hard to do, but I absolutely love hanging out with him at Flight Fest. Oh, dude, uh, he's hilarious, man. He's great. Him and uh, the crazy uh, Russian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep, uh, I love those guys. They're so much yeah. fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. They sure are. So you get a couple of drinks in them, and woo. We hung out with them <laughs> yeah. not last year, but I think two years ago, right, Steve? We hung out with them two, year, two years ago. We hung out from last year. We saw him. He was going around with the the T twenty eight on top of the golf cart, like, yeah. selling yep. uh, raffle tickets. That's, yeah, yeah. We gave that. What happened? And uh, it's kind of interesting. There was a kid. Uh, God, mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. I want to say it's Andre, maybe. Uh, Christy will remember. Anyway, he was about uh, twelve years old. And he spent every nickel he had to buy a the big T twenty eight Trojan. Yep. Uh, I mean, he he saved and saved and saved, and finally, when he got to Flight Fest, uh, he bought one. And I never met the kid, and he was over in the build tent working on it, and he apparently knew who I was. And he came over and he said, "Mr. Lane, can you help me?" And I said, "Sure. What do you need?" He says, "Well, I want a made in this airplane. Would you look at it for me?" Sure. So I go over the airplane and everything's tight and everything looks good. And I says, okay. I said, I think you're ready. I checked all his rates and everything. And so I went with him out on the flight line and he takes off. And I mean, he's nervous as heck. Uh, And uh, he takes off and he does one pattern with it. And he comes back around and he's like, this thing flies really good. And he he did something. Maybe he was starting a loop or whatever. And the wing came off of the airplane. Uh, he, He had not tightened his wing bolts. Uh, and I missed it on the pre-flight. I mean, you just expect the wing bolts are going to be tight. Um, and uh, so the wing came off, fuselage darted in, and just, I mean, destroyed the entire airplane. And, mm-hmm. I mean, the poor kid was in tears. I felt terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I had nothing to do with it, really, it just I felt terrible. So I went back, and uh, I don't remember the fellow's name. You might know him. Uh, he had a booth right next to me. Uh, I think his name's Jeff. He's from up there in New Jersey area. Um, he's got a hobby store, and uh, oh, he bought. My- it's I think it's Dan. I think Dan from Laser Toys is it Laser Toys? No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't Laser Toys. Uh, it then was, it was that other oh, shop. Oh, uh, he that? had a ton of Horizon stuff. Yeah, 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 tons. Uh, absolutely super nice guy. And uh, I was talking to him, and I says, "Well, I said, how much does this airplane cost? And can you give me a deal on it? Because I want to buy one for this kid." Yeah. And uh, and we decided between me and him, we decided we'd just do a raffle. And then if we didn't make enough money, then I'd just pay the difference, and it was fine. And so we told Pete, and Pete made a sign and put the airplane on top of my golf cart, and he was all up and down the flight line selling tickets for this thing. And uh, we actually made enough money that not only did we pay for the airplane, but Uh we also gave away a bunch of Lane's plane stuff, and we gave away some more stuff from, uh, I think it's Jeff is his name, from his booth. Mm. And uh, so we had you know about 10 or 12 people win something pretty cool, and the kid got a brand-new airplane. Nice. So awesome, we were at, yeah. I was at Seth this year, and mm-hmm. guess who pulls in and parks and sets up right next to me? Oh. The same okay. kid. Nice. Yeah, and he, he's about a foot taller. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, di- I didn't recognize him, and he's still flying his T28. Oh, that's, that's great. That's awesome, man. That's such good news, and it's great to hear. See, this is what I'm talking about. Those, these are the stories, and these are the things that I think make this whole RC community awesome, you know? Well, it's great to hear that. The kid is still flying that 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 plane too, or you yeah. know, you know what I mean. It's not like oh, well, he got a he got one for free and then never flew again or anything like that. Right, right. No, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure the kid was devastated from the crash, and you know, here comes like a couple of guys that are like, okay, let's see what we could do, and and you know, just made his day really, right, or his year. So yeah, 
certainly yeah. he certainly remembered me. I, I didn't recognize him because he looks so different. Sure, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he he certainly remembered me, and uh, in fact, he had some uh, he had a couple of jets. So he's he's really he's really upgraded in his his fleet. Nice. Um, but, so he uh, stuck with yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I'm sure he. I'm sure from that day on, he's never let a, never let a wing bolt go loose ever again. <laughs> I bet not. And you yeah. know, all that we can all that we can hope is you know maybe ten or twenty years from now when when he's you know our age. Uh, that uh, maybe he'll do something like that for for a kid. Yes, so. exactly. Something like that leaves a lasting mark. It's not easily forgotten, you know. That, that's good. That's what that's. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yep. Uh, let's see here. So, so where are you located? I know you kind of spoke about it earlier before, but uh... <laughs> I'm stuck in between four cornfields. Okay. Yes, my 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 neighbors all over the place. That's right. My my neighbors have a lot of ears. Uh, Uh uh We uh, actually, our closest neighbor is uh, about a mile away. Uh, We're in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, uh, just outside of Hastings. Okay. Um, So for people who well live in New Jersey, uh, (laughs) yeah. That puts us about uh, sixty-five or seventy miles west of Lincoln. Okay. So, and that's that's where we live. We bought a, a really nice house so a year and a half, two years ago, and then we built a uh, a new shop. So I've got a place to put at least half of my cars. Yep. Jeez. Half your cars and the other half is your planes. I'm I'm guessing and your laser cutter. <laughs> well, the two lasers and the CNC hot wire. Uh, and the computers and the you know shelves and all that stuff take up about pretty close to a third, maybe a quarter of my shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's sixty by eighty, and wow, uh, wow. and then yeah, uh, and footage, yeah. well, forty what is that forty six hundred? Yeah, uh, and it's not even close to big enough. So really, no, not even. Cl- I have I have twenty cars. Uh, Damn. So if you think I have an airplane addiction, <laughs> yeah, the car, uh, the car, the car addiction's worse. I, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, what's your hobby outside of the hobby? <laughs> and I yeah. guess it's uh, vintage cars now, huh? Well, cars, guns, you know, okay. airplanes. Uh, I fly uh, full-scale airplanes. I, of course, I fly helicopters for work. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much, if it's if it's something to do, I'll I'll find a way to do it. Nice. So do you own a full-scale airplane too, or no, not yet. Um, a friend of mine has a Satabria, a Cessna 185, and a Cessna 170. Ooh, and, 179. Uh, yeah, and I've been uh, 172. I'm sorry. So, and I've been flying all three of his. Uh, the Satabria is probably my favorite. Uh, the 185 has a ton of power, um, nice. but uh, the Satabria is just—it's just fun. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the movies, do you ruin it for everybody? Like a helicopter can't do that, people. <laughs> <laughs> I try so hard not to, but you can't help it. You can't help that. Right? <laughs> yeah, if I'm in a if I'm in a car movie, I'm like, no, that's not right. If yeah. I'm in an airplane movie, I'm like, no, that's not right. A helicopter movie, no, that's not right. An army movie, no, that's not right. <laughs> oh, dude. I don't know what your MOS was, but mine was a uh, combat radio radio operator and repairman, and uh. Whenever I hear uh, over and out, I it, my skin crawls and everybody <laughs> says it. And yeah, then my wife has got to be like, what's wrong with that? I'm like, it's it's not what you say. 
No. What do you say? Or repeat? No. Do not it, say repeat over the radio. <laughs> no, it's no, 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 no. Because the artillery guys hear that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the proper one would be either over or out. It depends on which one. Uh, at the end of a conversation, you'll say out, and there's nothing transmitted after that. And over means I I've heard what you said, and I'm waiting for your next. Yeah, um, like know, I'm done this, talking. This is what I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm done talking and you know, I'm waiting for what you're going to say. So you're basically saying, I'm done talking. I'm waiting what you're going to say next. Okay. Goodbye. When yeah. you say over yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So there's a few it's, things I, I know where Lane's coming from. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, it's Rog- interesting. It's like Roger Wilco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's like redundant. Uh, Wilco means we'll comply. Roger well, right. means I, I understand. Right, right. I comply. <laughs> it's funny because uh, my wife's been in the army for six years. She never told me about that. You know, we watch <laughs> movies and stuff. She's, I guess she's like, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, they're movies, so. You know. Yeah, exactly. They take for what they are. Um, yeah. Like Fast and Furious shifting like 15 times. Yeah, yeah, because all cars have 16 <laughs> gears. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my yeah, favorite is. is they're doing like 140 and they'll downshift. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You ain't downshifting. Come on. Yeah, yeah you're going to hit passing gear with your automatic and, and yeah. uh, 140. I love when it's yeah. 140 and then they take a turn like around yeah. the street corner. Yeah, yeah. That's always my uh, favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, and and it's usually in a you know it's a gremlin or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a front wheel drive Eclipse. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah. Can't, can't even have an all wheel drive nice car. You're not gonna do some front wheel drive crap. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so what got you started with Lane's Planes? Let's, uh, well, let's talk know, about your business. Yeah. Um, I had been making airplanes when I was down at Fort Rucker for flight school, which was mm-hmm. 2005. Uh, I decided I'd seen a couple of posts where people were making stuff out of, out of, uh, fan fold. And so I made a, I made a few airplanes out of fan fold, just, you know, my own designs. In fact, I made SpongeBob fly. Uh, it was kind of like the, well, like a flying lawnmower or something, you know, where you've just got a big wide square airfoil. Uh, and then I put arms on it and legs on it and his feet were the elevons and his arms were just up there like Superman. And, and then his propeller hat was obviously the propeller. Uh, nice. Mm-hmm. It was a full airfoiled thing, and I flew it around, and it was actually a lot of fun. Uh, I probably need to design a new one because it was just fun. Um, I made that and made this eight-foot flying wing. with. Uh, and back then, you had to solder all the LEDs with resistors. And uh, so mm-hmm. it had about a, a dozen LEDs inside. Um, made a few things like that. And then like some slow stick type stuff. Uh, and once we finished there, we went to Tennessee, and I was with the 101st Airborne Division for four years. Uh, did two tours in Afghanistan with them. And uh, when we went back down to Fort Rucker again, I started making airplanes and found out about EPP foam and figured I'd buy a hot wire, a CNC hot wire. So, oh, at the time, I think I spent about uh, $900 on a, on a CNC hot wire. And okay. picked up uh, EPP foam from uh, from a company, a couple of sheets of it, and just started designing airplanes. And I had a a bird of prey from uh, I think it was Edge RC uh, way back way back, <laughs> and it was a forward swept flying wing, and the okay. thing just flew phenomenally, uh, and I loved it. And for some reason, I sold it. Uh, so I said, "Well, I'm going to design something." forward swept so i made 
a forward swept, a couple of airplanes, tried to get him to fly right, couldn't get him to fly right, changed airfoils, changed, you know, dimensions and sweep and all these things, and finally stumbled onto uh, what now is the, the CUDA, and uh, it's a 26-inch EPP forward swept flying wing with a, a fuselage in the middle, as you guys mm-hmm. have seen. Yeah. And so I made about, oh, 10 or 15 of them and took them with me to Seth and sold every one of them. Yeah. Um, and I built the entire airplane, outfitted it with electronics, everything, and I'd sell them like that. Cause I'd, it wasn't set up really to be a kit, uh, because mm-hmm. then I'd have to do instructions and explain right. things, and that just yeah. wasn't going to work. So it's easier just to build them yourself. Um, so I built a bunch of those and sold them, and then the next year I'd build a bunch more. In fact, Mac Hodges himself, he bought uh, 10 or 12 of them to sell in his shop. Nice. Um and we sold, we, I couldn't make them fast enough. Every time I saw somebody, they wanted one and I'd run out. So uh, that's where it started. And then I made the, the seven foot uh, wingspan CUDA, which weighs 22 pounds and has a 50cc power system on it with 12S. Oh my God. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an absolute beast. Uh, but uh, it's about 120 miles an hour. And, you know, you get a, uh, 18 or so inch prop uh, spinning about a quarter of an inch away from the trailing edge and it's wow. really really loud oh I man bet. Uh, I bet. Uh, and it's a really deep loud yeah I was about so, to say it's not like those you know high pitch whines it's got to be like throaty you know like yeah. like a V8 version right yeah and, and if you google you can find videos of it uh, oh a couple of videos from out at Seth you just have to uh-huh. google the I think we call we call that one the barracuda because it's so big um, and uh, there's some videos of that flying in the noon demos at Seth and a few other things uh, we actually crashed it uh, at Hafey the fall flying at uh, Hodges Hobbies one year the uh, I was flying the noon demo with it they wanted it in the demo and and crash Hancock was uh uh, announcing for me mm-hmm. and I'd flown for about five minutes or so done some real fast low passes some fast inverted passes and this and that and uh, I said well I'm going to do one more pass I said oh I'll do an inverted pass about five feet off the ground full throttle and then just pull it up and do an outside loop and come in and land sure. and so I come screaming across about five feet off the ground uh, full speed so it's about 100 and 110 mile an hour and I pulled up to, to start climbing and launched the brand new, they had one flight on them, brand, brand new 12S 6000s, launched them across the field about 150 feet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and the airplane went straight up and then just kind of did this nose over tail, kind mm-hmm. of a leaf flop all the way to the ground. If it had landed flat, there probably would have been no damage, but it landed straight up and down, no, uh, nose up, and broke okay. my elevons and pulled the hinges out. Yeah. Um, we, we ended up fixing it, but uh, it, was, it was pretty impressive to watch. Uh, I think I yelled landing like nine times on its way down. It took forever <laughs> to get to the ground. Right, right, flopping around like that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty neat. Um, but then uh, I bungee launch it usually off of some rails, and uh, the 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 hook broke one day when I was out at uh, my local field here by Grand Island, Nebraska. So we decided we'd just carry it in the back of the pickup down the flight line, and the guys would just chuck it out of the pickup at about forty miles an hour. And uh, so we've launched it out of the back of the truck a few times. That's that's always good for a laugh. So that's kind of what got me started designing airplanes. Uh, then with uh, Norman, which you guys are familiar with Norman, mm-hmm. right? Yep. My, my yeah. cow airplane. Yeah, giant Norman, yep. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, Norman started out as about a 48, 49-inch wingspan EPP foam airplane. Um, it was cut from some scrap left over from some wing cores that I had made. And just the fuselage size all was determined by the piece of foam that I had. Um, so I cut the fuselage shape and made, you know, two halves of it, uh, put some bulkheads in it, and just it just kind of happened one morning. Uh, about noon, I walked over to the wife with it, had no wheels or anything, no paint, just white foam airplane. I said, what do you think of this? And she goes, that's really cute. Can we paint it like a cow? <laughs> nice. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you've ever seen the movie City Slickers, uh, Billy Crystal in the movie has this orphaned calf, uh, and he names it Norman. Mm -hmm. And so my wife has always called all cows Norman. So that's how Norman came to be. And then we turned him into a uh, balsa kit uh, and made him ginormous, giant Norman. Mm -hmm. uh, and now I've started laser cutting. Well, the wing is hot wire cut and the, the rest of the parts are laser cut. And uh, we're making an exact copy of the original. Uh, so it's 49 inch wingspan. It's a built up, you know, EPP foam fuse. Uh, it's got the big old goofy tires on it and the whole deal. And uh, we've, well, we started making them about two weeks before, about two weeks before Seth. And so far we've sold about uh, 40 of them uh, since April, whatever that was, mid-April. Wow. And that's the, that's the large scale one? That's the 84 inch? No, it's the 49 inch. The 49, uh, 49 inch. In, okay. Yeah, it's 49 inch EPP foam kit. Okay. Because I know it was on your website, you, you even sell plans for the big one, right? Or kits for the I know big we, one. Yeah, we sell kits for, for Ginorman, the 84-inch. Uh, Laser-cut balsa and ply kits. Uh, that's the one that has the, the tires off of a Power Wheels Jeep. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, mine weighs in at 18 pounds, and 4 pounds and 15 ounces of that is the, the wheels. <laughs> wow. It was that when I saw it, I was like, "Ooh, look at that! It got like little chrome wheels. It's so cool." <laughs> I didn't know yeah. they were off of a uh, Jeep uh, <laughs> Power Wheels. Yeah. That's cool. Well, they're actually off of the Power Wheels. Uh, it's called the Dune Racer. Uh, okay. It had the the tread pattern that I liked and the chrome mm -hmm. wheels that I liked. Yeah. So we we ordered a set of replacement wheels, and that's what he has. Nice. I love the suggested power system, uh, E Flight Power. 110 on 8S 5000. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. well, what's the prop? It's like a 19-inch, 18-inch prop? 1910? Uh, I think an, uh, yeah, an 1810 or 1910 is what I'm yeah. running on it. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's big. Yeah. Did, did you read the description of the airplane? Yeah. Yeah. If, if the description of the airplanes don't make you laugh, then, well, you shouldn't be reading them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that plane is impressive and... And even more so at night when you were night flying, I was I was just blown away the first time I saw that. <laughs> yep, he's angry zombie Norman at night. Yep, I love it. I love the red on there. You got red on you. Uh, yeah, he's got red eyes, and uh, and the rest of him's green. Mm -hmm. So he's. I'm surprised cool. that the prop can actually throw air around the big fuselage like that to to move <laughs> it. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, the uh, the the forty nine inch one we run a either a ten by seven or an eleven by seven prop on, uh, and it's kind of about the same uh, as far as dimensional. Uh, it's it doesn't look like it should probably fly, but the thing really flies quite well. 
Uh, and we started doing a new version of Norman. Uh, we call him Nifty Norman. And Nifty Norman has a flat wing with no polyhedral, uh, and then he has ailerons. Uh, mm. And we figured that was kind of nifty, so that's how his name showed up. Okay, um, yeah, nice. And he actually flies upside down really well, uh, <laughs> which the the one with the polyhedral tips does not fly upside yeah. down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that that wing would want to just flop right back over. Oh yeah, uh, and then all that weight under the fuselage too. Sure. Yeah. So, wait, how long has how how long have you been in business with Lane's Plane? Um, I don't know, Christy. How long have we been in business with Lane's Planes? <laughs> She's been doing it for two years. Uh, she quit her full-time job, and she does nothing but the laser cutting now and designing. Oh, nice. Wow. Uh, yeah, so she's a stay-at-home, yell-at-me-for-not-getting-things-done uh, employee. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she's uh, she's what keeps, keeps me on track, basically. Uh, when I have an airplane that I'm supposed to get finished designing, she yells at me until I do it, uh, or... When I have a custom order for somebody, she yells at me until I do it. So, but nice. uh, all day, every day, she's out here laser cutting, uh, pretty much nonstop every day. So, today she's working on some wedding stuff for someone. But uh, normally, it's uh, it's airplanes and tool organizers and tool caddies and all the stuff that we do. Uh, but I think we actually started doing an actual business would have been about coming up on four years maybe three and a half four years okay and at first it was just me in a not even really a one-car garage with one laser uh, mm-hmm. and i would come home from work and laser cut cudas and that's all we had was the 25 or the 26 inch and the 35 inch cuda and just with those it got to a point where i couldn't keep up uh you know with a, working 12 hour days and then coming home to do that wow yeah, it's, it got busy. <laughs> well, that's good, you know, because I'm I'm always showing my wife a little projects that I'm working on, and her response is always the same. When are you going to start making money off of that? And so <laughs> that's pretty good that you uh, you actually did start making a little money off. That's that's pretty awesome. Well, I look at it as we make enough money that we can go to any show we want to, and usually we come home with more money than we went with. Uh, not always, usually. So, you know, you go to a smaller show where there's 20 or 30 pilots and you, well, we just went to Texas, uh, yeah, uh-huh. to Apache pass and, uh, for the, the event there. And we knew there was only going to be 30 or so pilots and that's probably pretty close. Maybe between 20 and 30 pilots were there and we still actually did well enough that it paid for the entire trip and, and had some left over. So, uh, and it's you probably not terrible. Have a, you probably have a great time there too. You know, when it's well, not yeah. a huge crowded event, you know, it's different. Right. But the only time I, I get to fly is when I go to events. Uh, so everybody's like, oh, wow, how do you fly that airplane? You must practice a lot. No, I, I, I hadn't flown <laughs> <laughs> since probably October last year until I got to Seth. And uh, wow. went out there and, and flew airplanes. It's, I don't do simulators. I don't have time for it. Uh, I just fly at events. And, you know, it's fun because you, you go somewhere where people don't know you. And you take a, a CUDA out there and do 130 or 150 miles an hour. And as soon as you land it, there's a, a 10 people standing there waiting to buy them. <laughs> nice. I mean, after I saw you and not even see you hear your plane, I'm like, 
damn, I want to get one of those, <laughs> you know, but I kind of stopped flying planes and it's like, oh man, do I buy it and just like leave the kits in there or do I build it? And it's like, ah, so I, I never pulled the trigger, but I think, are you going to be going to fly fest this year? We will. Uh, Ohio? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, I'll pick one up this time is, uh, I've been just kind of like, I've been getting back into like, I like building. I'm big <laughs> on building stuff. So. Um, you know, more recently, knock on wood, my helicopters haven't been, my little ones crashed, but the big ones I haven't really been crashing. So it's like, I had that itch to build something and I bought a couple of balsa kits, but I'm like, eh, you know, when I get to it, I'll get to it. But I really want to build one of yours because that's, I, I really like the laser cutting that, that your, your kits come, you know, it's. Yeah. Well, thank you. The, yeah, uh, it's really nicely done. So it's like, oh, it's gonna be it'll go together so well. And I love how you can see the wing, um, especially you know if you cover with trans transparent um, Monaco or whatever covering. It's just like you can see the ribs inside and the, the little cutaways and stuff. And I love that. So. <laughs> well, my friend uh, Joel Dernberger, uh, he goes by Metro GTI on the forums. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joel is the one who did the uh, the CAD work for the CUDA. Um, nice. I took a foam CUDA and we actually, we were at, uh, Michigan at an event there and we mm-hmm. set a foam CUDA on the, on the, on a piece of cardboard and traced it and said, okay, there's your dimensions. And, uh, he took that home with him and I said, this is your airfoil. It's the bottom is this airfoil. The top is this airfoil. This is mm-hmm. the sweep. This is this, this is this. Yeah. And, uh, he said, okay. And I don't know, three months later, uh, he sent me cut files. And I went, holy crap. And then if you've never looked at the instruction manual for the, for the CUDA, it is phenomenal. Uh, I think there might be 10 words in the whole thing. Oh, wow. Uh, it's all three-dimensional pictures. Everything's labeled, and the entire aircraft is tab and slot. Uh, yeah. Everything you, you can build the entire airplane with no glue and, and hold it and then take it apart and do it again. <laughs> so wow. cool. it, it just goes together so nice. Um, in fact, a guy at Flight Fest last year bought one at the show, mm-hmm. and his wife was driving the RV home. He sat in the back and built the CUDA on the way home, and he had it done <laughs> by the time nice. he got home. Jeez. So I think you could actually build it on your lap and and still be straight. Uh, I don't really? think it's possible to build it crooked. That's good because I usually build things crooked. <laughs> and you don't have to worry about that with this. Joel did a phenomenal job on it. He also did the CAD work for Jai Norman. and. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, it's a fairly complicated procedure to build the wing uh, just because of the three-piece wing and the center section, the way it's all designed. Um, a beginner can do it. Just looking at the instruction manuals, It's uh, that he's done such a good job on these airplanes. Um, so we're currently working on a 96-inch, a uh, basically an ultra stick, mm-hmm. and I've got the most of the cut files already and he's working on finishing up some things and we're gonna have that one ready hopefully yet this year uh we're also doing a 76 inch version uh and you know basic your basic ultra stick type airplane um i have a a delta that i've been working on that uh i'm I'm a mopar guy you know the cuda you know the barracuda the Mm -hmm. you know all my other than norman every every airplane i have we have an airplane called the rampage um Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, and we have a, a new one uh, that I'm working on, and I've designed this one all myself. It's called the uh, the 426 Wedge, um, and that's in honor of my dad. He has a 64 Plymouth Sport Fury with a 426 Wedge, mm-hmm. and 
it's a copy of the first brand new car he ever had. Same color, same engine, everything. Oh, so nice. this this airplane is a Delta, and it's 426 square inches. Uh, so I designed the airplane around the name. Um, that's cool. Yeah, and it's uh, it's all built up balsa and ply. Uh, and, uh, I need to, I, the, the test model is sitting right behind me. I still haven't covered it and put a motor in it. Uh, but, uh, we're going to shoot for 150, 160 miles an hour out of it. Uh, maybe Ooh. faster. We'll see what we can get. Um, and then, uh, the Prowler, I don't know if you've ever seen my sailplane. Um, I designed a 128 inch wingspan sailplane. Which um, has a unique, uh, wing layer. Yeah, it has dihedral for the, well, it's a flat center piece that's about 10 inches wide. Mm -hmm. And then it's got two panels that are somewhere around 30 some odd inches wide that have dihedral. And then the wing tips are another 30 some odd inches and they're flat. Uh, And then the shape of the wing tip is kind of like the bird of time sailplane. So it's kind of a rounded tip. It's really, really neat looking. That's kind of the inspiration was the bird of time. I really like that airplane. Um. And its first outing out at Ceph, uh two years ago, maybe three, um, I had two flights on it, maybe. <laughs> Entered the LMR contest, the Limited Motor Run Sailplane Contest, and uh, got second place with a prototype. Nice. So, wow. <laughs> so nice. that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. But I, I knew there was some problems with it and I, that I had to address. So when we went to the SIG Fun Fly in uh, Montezuma, Iowa, I decided to test the structural integrity of said airplane. Oh, and boy. Uh, we found its limit. <laughs> uh, the wing wasn't strong enough, and I knew I needed to redesign it, so we yeah. put it into a, a full-throttle dive and pulled up and said, oh, hey, that, that's when it breaks. <laughs> yeah, that's what it looks like when the wings fold on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 128-inch wingspan for a, a glider, all balsa and plywood, that's, I mean, that's a pretty big wing. You, it's, that's going to be hard. Hard to keep yeah. that thing from folding on itself. That must have been quite a sight. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, one wing actually folded up, and it kind of did this floppy spin to the ground, and it didn't really damage anything terribly, but uh, uh, yeah, all the electronics were fine. Right. So, But it was pretty heavy for what it was, and I can probably take 50% of the weight out of it uh, on the redesign. So just, nice. I mean, it was way overbuilt, uh, which yeah. is good. Uh, except for the wing and what it was, the spar system in the wing just wasn't right. And uh, so I'll get that taken care of and mm-hmm. we'll get it, we'll get it done soon. Uh, beautiful airplane. And, and if you've never built a kit before, uh, you know, like the CUDA, for example, and Jai Norman, these are kits that anybody who's never built a, a balsa plane before can pick up and follow the instructions and build these airplanes. Uh, the catch is you need to be an experienced pilot to be able to fly them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'd be more interested in the uh, the smaller Norman, not the giant Norman, uh, only because I like those oddball yeah. or oddish type planes. I think they yeah, yeah Mikey's RC, Mikey's RC. <laughs> <laughs> I just had that out flying uh, a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you know who that is, Lane, but uh, the guy that had a YouTube show a couple years ago and the puppet. He had this weird prop and slot biplane thing that he did fpv with back in the day <laughs> and i always wanted to build one so i built one and people were calling it a piano because it looked like a grand piano like two of them back to back with the you know the the hood of the piano open mm-hmm. and uh it's just yeah it was crazy looking but yeah that's uh that that and the uh sailplane interest me um, well the the 49 inch norman 
my favorite is the I, the 4channel is fun because he'll do rolls and he'll fly upside down and all those things. But my favorite, honestly, is the regular 3channel with the polyhedral wingtips and just elevator and rudder. Um, when it's dead calm, uh, that is probably the most fun airplane I have. I absolutely love flying it. I'll just come across the field at the, at like the description says, at the speed of smell <laughs> and <laughs> just do these really nice one wheel touch and goes all the way down the field and then take back off and come back and do the other direction. And, you know, and, and then you just do silly things with it. And uh, I'll just do a touch and go and make it look like he's jumping across the field and he'll come back down and bounce and just <laughs> bounce him down the field. Um, nice. And we put color changing LEDs inside of it. Uh, which doesn't take hardly anything with that airplane to light it up. Uh, so they're just back-to-back strung right through the center of the fuselage, and then we've got two strips, one facing forward and one facing backwards in the wing. Lights up the entire airplane, and uh, we fly it at night and just absolutely have a blast with it. it nice. It's the most fun when you have about 10 people flying them at the same time like we did at Ceph. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's just silliness. I mean, everybody at the field stops and goes, what is going on? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm considering having a, a contest um, and maybe give some kind of a discount uh, to do it where, you know, if you buy the airplane, we'll have a, a, a like a paint job contest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where, Because we had two guys out at Ceph, uh, two of my Canadian friends. One of them painted theirs kind of a cartoon version of a Messerschmitt and the other oh, nice. one did his uh, he did his like a Spitfire and mm-hmm. you know they, st- they still have the face on them uh, but they have all the markings and the camo and whatever and yeah, they yeah. just turned out so neat and I said you know I wonder what other people could come up with um, so I've got a friend of mine doing a, a P40 version of Norman right now oh, Nice. Uh, <laughs> and I think you know the red with the iron crosses would be kind of cool uh, kind of yeah. a, like a like a Red Baron kind of thing, and you know you could do a P fifty one Mustang. There's just so many different options, things you could do, um, and it, and it's fun because all of them have a face, <laughs> right? So right. It, it just gives them a personality. Uh, the face is actually laser cut, and the parts are part of the kit. So you know you just give him some some teeth or whatever, and uh, paint his eyeballs black, and you're ready to go. So Lane, what do you think about uh, a few of these companies starting to do like a 3d printed planes and stuff like that well the first 3d printed plane i saw was it stefan that had one at flight fest i don't know if i actually saw any flying but i, I, I know that either. flight test had a few of them yeah they had a, they had a p38 3d lab print ones right yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the only one I saw the the airplane, the wing, and the fuselage were three D printed, and he, whoever it was went and got it out of their car, and it had melted. <laughs> oh, that was Andre. Andre that was a spit, yeah, yeah. Spitfire. Yep. Okay, that's what it was, and uh, I was like, "Wow, uh, maybe that's not the best idea," and, you know, especially <laughs> if you live down south, right? Um, but honestly, to me, it just looks like it would take forever to print an airplane. Uh, I, um, yeah, it does. It takes a while. Because there's a lot of parts, and the print bed's only so big, so you can only print so many pieces at a time. Right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with a 3D printer, let's say you were going to make a, a one-inch square box. I mean, what kind of time does that take? A one-inch square box would probably take, I don't know, what, an hour, you think? Was to be 45 solid? Minutes? Well, solid or... Let's or just it say, wouldn't matter. Let's, let's say, let's say a, a tw- an average of 25% infill. 
So okay. 25% of it's infilled inside. Oh, I've done up. stuff like that. Probably take me 10 minutes. 10, 15 minutes, maybe. I mean, okay. I've done, I've done stuff relatively that, that, that large that were, was like eight minutes or something, you know, mm-hmm. just different kind of like holder pieces or different, com- like, uh, container type pieces. Okay. Yeah, so it, roughly it just, that, but I, I mean, seem- for me to pl- print out a wing, uh, you know, we're talking probably about 40 hours of printing. Yeah. Just the wing. I can build an entire CUDA kit, uh, in six hours. Yeah. I was just that's, curious on your building thoughts. or cutting, like cutting out or and no, building, building it. Uh, oh, you can okay. frame up, you can frame the entire kit. It doesn't matter if it's the 35 or the 26, mm-hmm. uh, cause actually they're identical and the wings interchange. Um, so you can build the entire airplane, uh, in about six hours and then cover it, you know, maybe two hours, depending on how intense you get on covering. Sure. And, uh, stuff in your two servos and your motor and speed control and you know total of maybe 10 hours uh and that's that's if you stop for for lunch yeah (laughs) and this is and this is a flying plane while you know 40 hours print out the wings it's still got the another 40 hours for the fuselage and we're talking about probably what like does the edge printing printing the edge out or the steerman well the steerman's got two wings so you're talking at least more time for that Uh, and how how are they as far as weight goes they're pretty they're, light. They're comparable to a a balsa of that same size. Yeah. Okay. I think they get as as the size increases, they would be a little bit lighter than a balsa planes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause they they I come think, covered, right? <laughs> I think it's interesting, and I mean, there's certainly a place for it. There's a place for any of that stuff. Uh, probably not for me, <laughs> but uh, it's just I don't really have a lot of interest in 3D printing either. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, not that I, not that I wouldn't, uh, I would get a 3d printer if I had, you know, an extra five minutes in a day. Right. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, generally the wife has to yell at me to stop working so that I can just have food. Right. Well, I think they're neat and I think you could really do some cool stuff with them. Um, and if somebody wants to go through the trouble to do the design work, that's where the hard part is. Right. Yeah. you know, and, and that's kind of the bad thing, too, is let's say you spend, you know, three weeks designing this airplane. You print one, and then, oh, now, now you got to fix this, change that, change this. You change it. So now you've got, you know, just untold amount of hours in designing it uh, and then printing it and testing it to get it right. And then, I mean, how, I guess, keeping control, I guess, of those files because – so you sell me the file so I can print one myself, and what's going to stop me from giving it to Jim and Bob and Joe? Right. Nothing. Yep. Right. Nothing and really. Yeah. So, so I can see from a business standpoint how that might be difficult also just to maintain control. I mean, anybody can mm-hmm. copy my airplanes. There's been multiple people that have copied the CUDA, and and I high-five them and say, yeah, absolutely, go for it. Uh you know, if you want to make it out of uh, foam board or, or or EPP or anything you want, good luck and have fun with it. That's what this is all about. Um, now, if they cut fifty of them and start selling them, then I might have issue with that. Right. Uh, yeah. But but I have, and I mean, look what I've done already. I've taken the exact logo from the the Plymouth Cuda, the car, and that's the logo for my airplane. Uh, mm-hmm. And I guess if uh, Chrysler ever sends me a cease and desist letter. I'll send them a, 
a picture of my three Mopar tattoos and my fleet <laughs> of cars. Yeah. Because <laughs> all I own is Dodge, Chrysler, and Plymouth. There you uh, go. Right. And and I'll be like, come on, guys, give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Well, if if Chrysler ever sent you a letter like that, you could send one back to say, are are you guys still in business? Are you still around? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'd be like, wait a minute, Plymouth isn't even in business. Yeah, but right. the the CUDA, the CUDA logo in Plymouth is actually still trademarked. So, oh, um, <laughs> and uh, of course, I've got another airplane uh, in my head that hasn't been put onto the computer yet. Uh, that's named the Challenger. Uh, nice. Nice. Yeah, and then and then uh, the Dart. Uh, we we designed one already called the Sport Fury. Uh, so and it'll all be car names because that's mm-hmm. that's, that's what I do. Style, yeah, very cool. Nice. Uh, so let's let's talk about back uh, when you and Mike, you know, when you guys used to do the podcast, the Crash Cast. Now, yeah. now no, so yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys are. So how long were you guys running before you, uh, you know, Crash itself kind of went down and. And you guys stopped the show. Oh, I think I was on the show for three or four years. Nice. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you know, every 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 week and uh mm-hmm. we just absolutely loved doing it. Uh he was such a great guy. Yeah. So, and, yeah. In fact this this last weekend, uh his his wife and two daughters uh came down to the field to, to see us. And, oh awesome. Uh, yeah, they hung out with us for a few hours. That's cool. So and and you know they're doing well, so so that's good. Good, oh, good. But uh, but yeah, we uh, we I love doing the show. We had so much fun, as you can tell. Uh, you know, I've never been at a loss for words. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty for me, pretty easy for me to have a discussion about just about anything, anytime with anyone. Uh, uh, nice. And the thing about the thing about Crash was, you know, he never met a stranger. Um, yeah. Every single person he ever met was his best friend. Uh, and uh so that that was great about him just absolute one of the best guys i've ever known um and you know con and, and his girls uh Lindsay mm-hmm. and, and um mckenzie mckenzie McKen- uh are just absolutely great also and then he's got a son james it's older mm-hmm. uh which looks just like crash yeah uh, he's like six eight got the kind of the long hair thing going and, okay uh really super nice guy Nice. Wow. I'm j- I'm just listening to you talk, Lane, like I'm um, listening to the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you guys listen to the Crash Cast a lot? Yeah. I listened I to more of like the last year ish. I-, I didn't know you guys had-, had done it for three, four years. Yeah, Crash Crash did I think three hundred and sixty episodes. Wow. And and uh I was, let's see, I was kind of a guest sort of on the show initially um, mm. from the time I met Crash, which I met him by trying to fly an airplane between his legs one night in Georgia while I was, let's just say I'd had a couple of adult beverages and <laughs> didn't quite make it through <laughs> and, and kind of hit him in an area that he didn't appreciate much and left two bruises on his inner thighs that his wife said, what in the world are those when he got uh, home? Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's how I met Crash. Uh, <laughs> so within, I mean, I hadn't known him for two minutes, and I said, "You're a big son of a gun. Can I fly this airplane between your legs?" And he was like, "Sure." <laughs> and well, that, yeah, there it went. It. Mm-hmm. But when we were in Alabama um, at Fort Rucker, uh, they had asked me to be on the show a couple of times, and I was on. And and then I'd start doing things like before the show when I wasn't, you know, on the show, I'd 
tell Crash, I'd be like, okay, your word of of the day is, you know, like possum, whatever. You have to get the word possum into the show where it makes <laughs> sense somehow, and then the listeners have to guess what the word of the show was. Uh, and <laughs> and it, it became a lot of fun. Uh, I just give him random words that he had to try to say, and sometimes they were a little bit uh, off color, shall we say? Sure. Uh, and he had to find a way to get him in there, so we had fun with that. And then I just started being on the show more and more. And I had such terrible internet service out there that because uh, we lived out in the middle of nowhere there, also mm-hmm. that I'd have to get in my truck and go into town and park at McDonald's and have this insane setup in my vehicle because the battery on my laptop was terrible uh, and use their Wi-Fi from the parking lot just to be on the show. Wow. (laughs) Jeez. uh, Yeah, it was funny. I'd have stuff running out the window to the battery and, you know, sitting in the truck and then I have to roll the windows up because all the noise in town and uh, so, and it's 80, 90 degrees at night and I'm sitting in this truck just sweating doing the show. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, boy. But it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, you guys, I mean, I listened to more of the early episodes and and probably took a little break and kind of started getting back into it a little on the later side. But yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of one of the podcasts that I got into after RC Heli um, Nation because I kind of went into podcasting, listening to podcasting because of RC Heli Nation. But then I was like, what other RC podcasts are out there? So, (laughs) yeah, so I found the Crash Cast and started listening to that and backtracking a lot of it. And definitely, you know, I never got a chance to meet Michael, but, uh, you know, I, every single person that's ever met him or know him, um, was, it's just nothing but kind words, you know, so I could only imagine how wonderful of a guy he must have been, so. He made it out to Flight Fest last year. <clears throat> he did. And, uh, yep, he was out there, and, uh, you know, he hung out with us for a while, and then he'd go walk around and talk to people, and they'd come and hang out with us a while, and then they'd go over by the campers and sit there mm-hmm. for a while, and, uh, you know, he just he just took it all in and enjoyed it. And uh, I forget the guy that owns the the field out there. I forget his name, but uh, John Fury. Yes, John mm-hmm. took him for a ride in one of his airplanes and uh, nice. Yeah, let him let him fly for a while. Crash always wanted to be a a, a full scale airplane pilot. Mm-hmm. And when you're six ten, you just really can't yeah. fit in most airplanes. <laughs> right. So he got to go fly with uh, with John, and that was that was kind of the highlight of his uh, his show. And he he actually intended to buy one of those uh, powered parachutes, the paragliders. Um, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he talked a lot with those guys, and they mm-hmm. had told him that if he bought it, they he could go down there to I think Florida, yep. and they'd teach him how to fly it. Uh, and he was just dead set that he was buying one. Me and him, we we, we talked on the phone two three times a week, um, right. and it, it was just great, you know that. He was always at the other end of the phone when I had a crazy idea, nice, uh, yeah. which happens often. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, he told me about that. And uh, then his his health just got to the point where he just he, he wouldn't have been able to hold the 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 motor and all that. So, yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, he never got to do it. Yeah, unfortunate. All right. Uh, so one of our other hosts put this on our agenda here and he was at Seth and he said he did get a chance to see a CUDA crash on the launch yes that's the yeah. one actually that I just flew in Texas a uh, little over 150 miles an hour ah, so can you tell us about that that launch that ended up in a little crash huh 
<laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, we decided to do uh, the extreme speed. They set apart an hour where you can just fly planes that are over a hundred miles an hour. Nice. And, okay. Wow. And, and there was only about five of us out there. I had grabbed a couple of people and said, "You got to come fly." I think uh, Josh from uh, from Flex Innovations. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was flying my thirty five inch Night Flyer Cuda, which is nice. about one hundred and twenty five miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had an he had a Aurora, however you say it, Aurora Aurora whatever nine uh, flight stabilization. Aurora nine, yeah, yeah. He put their flight stabilization in it and flew it with that, which was really kind of neat. Nice. Um, and so he was flying that one, and I took my my twenty six inch uh, out, and I was going to try it on six cells. Finally, I'd flown it on five, but I'd never flown it on six. Okay. And shooting for that 150, 160 mile an hour mark, and took it out there, and I I launched for for Josh, and I launched somebody else's airplane, then I picked up mine, and and when I threw it, my thumb slipped, and it flipped inverted and straight into the ground, and busted up the nose of the fuselage. Oh um, boy. No other damage to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we put put it in the trailer and uh, grabbed some balsa from Mac and fixed the nose, but then never had the chance to fly it again. So when I got down to Texas this last weekend, uh, I I had an old... Yeah, if you've listened to the crash cast, you'll know about my batteries. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just let's just say I'm a little bit abusive to, yeah, to lithium. Yeah, it's a <laughs> laughs about them because they say if you set them on the table they'll roll off uh, <laughs> and <laughs> i bought a uh, what's that thing called the e-flight carbon cub the big carbon cub. carbon z cub yeah yeah i bought one of those from a friend of mine todd landon mm-hmm. he's a, a disabled vet up in uh, uh sioux city iowa and uh he he just couldn't fly the plane very well he didn't like it and he says come fly this thing see if you want it and I went and flew it, and within about two minutes, I'm doing knife-edge patterns with it and just kind of screwing around, having fun. He's like, holy crap. He's maybe I don't want to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. uh, so I, he gave me a absolutely ridiculous deal on this airplane that no mm-hmm. one in their right mind would have passed up. So I bought it, and he included two of the E-Flight 6S uh, 2900 batteries, the little blue square ones. Mm-hmm. And so I flew that airplane. God, I must had a hundred flights on that Carbon Z Cub with those batteries in it. Yeah. Wow! And just beat them to death. They were used when I got them. I used them in that thing and a couple other airplanes here and there. And I just absolutely abused them. Mm-hmm. You, you, most people would have thrown them away long ago. Right. Uh, and that's what I put in the CUDA for the for the flights down in Texas. Um, so these twenty nine hundred six SLs, and I launched it down there and. I mean, it took off just beautifully. Uh, so my thumb didn't slip mm-hmm. and flew it around and it is just ungodly fast. Um, I'm trying to go fast enough to break it. Uh, right. but the thing is built like a tank and I don't think I can get it fast enough to break it. So, so far we're somewhere around 150. Maybe we might be pushing 160. Uh, I got to get a radar gun on it. Yeah, let's say, do you wow. do you take radar guns and you know actually try to clock it? We usually do, but we haven't with this yet because I've only mm-hmm. I flew it probably four times down there, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we're just going off of estimation because uh, I know my it used to be 126 is what it would do on the 4s with a, a 29 or a 2200 kV inrunner. Okay. And, so now with the 1900 KV and 6S, it's it's significantly quicker. 
Um, and I mean, I can tell the difference. It's, it's fast. Yeah. What prop and, do you run on that with that success setup? Well, uh, Chris click told me that a six or a, a six by four sport prop, not the E prop, but the six sure. by four sport mm-hmm. is the best prop for it. Okay. Uh, I currently have a six by four carbon on it. Okay. Uh, I forget who makes it, but, uh, and so it'll probably go a little bit faster with the six by four sport. Uh, he said it'll unload a little bit in the air and uh, lower your amps and go faster. So, and you know, if you know anything about rightwingrc.com, Chris Click, uh, when it comes to flying wings, he's the guy. So, if he says it, it's pretty much true. Awesome. So, I, I need to try the the six S or the six uh, six by four sport six problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the video of it though, from down in Texas, I'm looking at the on Facebook right now. And normally when I put something on my Facebook page, you know, Facebook live video or something, I do a few of those, I'll get about a hundred, 150 people watching live. And after that, I'll get, uh, you know, maybe two or 300 more views on a video or something like that. That video has, it says 7,097 people that it's reached and 3,366 views. Uh, and I just put it up on Saturday Oh wow. man. So nice. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's been shared a bunch of times and watched a bunch of times and, mm-hmm. uh, some pretty good comments about it. The, the one guy says, I was going to tell you to go lower and then I watched and don't go. <laughs> <laughs> at most of the time I'd come across the field about six inches off the ground, uh, at 150 plus. Jeez. Wow. Uh, that's the thing. That's the thing about that airplane. It is just so locked in. Uh, I mean, it, it you you just you're not nervous flying close to the ground i'll come across the field you know foot off the ground inverted at full throttle uh and i just know it's going to go right where it's supposed to a couple of times i have caught the tail the vertical fin on the ground and it doesn't like that no Uh, it it definitely lands quickly when you do that yeah it just (laughs) drags itself right into the ground yeah is that the Uh, uh the light blue one that i saw a video of okay yeah it's it's light blue and there's the the nose is covered with clear tape because we didn't put any covering on the nose. I said, well, if it crashes, <laughs> why cover it? <laughs> right, uh, right. And it's got a and it's got a white patch on one wingtip from uh, from something falling on it in my trailer during transport. But but yeah, it's uh, I mean, just if you could play the video and listen to it right now, you'd know what I'm talking about because when it goes by, it's just phenomenal. It's so cool. <laughs> And that's pretty amazing that something that size can go that fast. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's the, and not have torque roll to it or anything like that. Uh, and that's the 26 inch. I haven't tried it on the 35 inch yet. Um, okay. But uh, the cool thing about the 26 inch and the 35, honestly, is at full throttle, uh, you come screaming across the field and put it up on its side and just yank full elevator and it turns in about, I don't know, I suppose about 20 feet. It does a U turn. It's just so, so responsive. It's so cool. Wow. He doesn't That's rip awesome, the wings man. off, huh? <laughs> yeah. When, when you're flying figure eights in about, uh, about 100 feet uh, at full throttle, <laughs> you know the airplane's got some, some maneuverability. Sure. Yeah, it got some strength, too. It's not going to fold in on you. And anything happen with Norman at stuff? Um, well, let's see. Yeah, Norman got crashed numerous times. We didn't <laughs> take Giant Norman with. Okay. Uh, but uh, at CEF, we flew about uh, 10 Normans together. And then down in Texas, we flew 
Oh, what do we have down there? Four of them in the air. And uh, there was a young man there named, uh, what was that kid's name, honey, that flew Norman into the ground a couple of times? Adam. Uh, this kid, Adam, he's, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. And uh, he was looking at the airplane. His dad flies, you know, 120cc 3D planes. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at my airplanes, and he's like, those are neat. And I, so I went in, grabbed the transmitter, stuck a battery in it, and just handed it to him. and said, here, go fly it. And he went out and flew around the three-channel one and just had a blast with it. And he wanted to fly the four-channel one. So I let him fly that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he proceeded to punch it into the ground and bust his face all up. And I just laughed and said, no problem, fix it. And uh, he flew it again a couple more times. And then the night before we left, Saturday night, uh, he says, can I try flying it at night? And I said, sure. I said, just don't crash it this time. <laughs> he, took, he took off and I walked away and I didn't make it 15 steps and he goes oh crap and the thing was behind the flight line and he punched mm-hmm. it into the ground again uh, but uh, but it was it was funny it didn't bother me a bit uh, it, the face of the whole thing was more hot glue than foam anyway now mm-hmm. so it's time to build a couple of new show planes nice. uh, but no we haven't had John Norman out since Flight Fest last year uh, I don't know if you remember, I had that failed takeoff, uh, and I tore up a wingtip and like smashed in half of his face. Uh, no, I yeah. Fi- yeah, I haven't fixed it yet. I think I do remember that. I think I remember seeing the aftermath. Yeah, it's it's not bad damage. It's uh, you know the the where the wing bolts hold the the wingtip on. It broke out a couple of ribs right there, and then uh, just a couple of pieces of. Uh, of balsa and some ply on on the fuselage but shouldn't be a big deal to fix and i I still don't know what had happened uh we had put the sound system in it so that it would moo as it flew by (laughs) right and uh maybe it just changed the cg enough to to make something a little bit wonky but uh it's not a problem we'll get it fixed now i was looking at your site and i see ginormous there but i don't actually see the smaller version that's because we haven't put it on the website yet Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have to go to my Facebook page to find it. Uh, nice. Yeah, the Lanes Planes Facebook page. There's actually a couple of videos, even one of him crashing. Uh, it, it helps if you charge your batteries before you go fly. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't it's know if recommended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I'm flying along and I flip him upside down. I'm flying inverted, and the battery just kind of goes meow. And I didn't have <laughs> enough altitude or enough ideas to get him flipped over in time, and uh, flew him right into the ground. So, but we fixed him and flew him again. Nice. So I'm just checking out your Facebook page earlier, and I love the the LEDs on the inside of the black Cuda there that somebody did. I guess you you did that one. Uh, yeah, that's my 35 inch night flyer. The night version. one, right? That's the, gorgeous, man. Yeah. Thank the you. chevrons in the front. I love the arrows and stuff. It looks good. What had happened was uh, Roman. I don't remember Roman's last name. Uh, He's from down in Texas. Uh, he works, flies at Ice House a lot. He asked me for a night flyer version. He says, can you do something to it so it's better for nighttime? And I said, sure. And uh, so we decided to make those chevrons, and I cut those into the uh, – add them to the files, and we cut one. And I didn't even have time to build one and check it and test it. And I, so I, he bought it, and I sent it to him, and I said, I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I said, should be fine. Uh, everything looks like it'll be fine, but I don't know. So he built it, and uh, we flew it down there last year. And uh, I've built one, and oh, we've sold oh a few dozen of them now. Um, and it's just the Night Flyer version. The only difference between that and a regular CUDA is the chevrons on the top sides and the bottom mm-hmm. of the fuselage. 
And if you look at those pictures, the black one, it's got uh, LEDs in the leading edge of the wingtips and in the lead- in the nose of the, the fuselage. Um, right. I learned with my very first Night Flyer CUDA, the one that got destroyed at uh, Flight Fest last year, um, that if you don't put some in the leading edge or in the nose, that when it's coming at you at night, it completely oh, vanishes. You can't see it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a plane going, you know, because my Night Flyer does 120. And you got a 35 inch plane doing 120 at night and it vanishes. Yeah, it makes it pretty tricky. <laughs> uh, especially when you're trying to land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that could get crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have the Night Flyer version. And, and uh, there's so many variations of this airplane now. I don't know if you've looked at all of them. Uh, you have the Night Flyer CUDA. You ha- uh, then you have the regular uh, CUDA. And you can do either of those as a 26 inch or a 35 inch. And then we have the the Paracuda, which is a twin. The yeah. Paracuda is two fuselages with a, either a, well, we're, we're only doing the 10 inch center section now. I think it's 10 and a half inch center section between the fuselages. And then you can put either the 26 inch or the 35 inch wings on that. Or you can do two night flyer fuselages with all the, <laughs> with the different. Oh, that's cool. Jeez. <laughs> um, now, now let me ask you, um, you know, when you're when you're developing this plane or changing it up and stuff, doing the para CUDA and all this stuff, like, I mean, what, is there like any like, I mean, what's your testing look like? Is it just cut it, build it, throw it in the air and see what happens, or do you usually yes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, there's some engineering involved with it as far as you know for strength and and strength, this PG and all that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and you know the calculations and all that, but uh, but generally, yeah, I mean, ha- there's really no other way to do it. I, I don't have a wind tunnel, so right. Uh, uh, I mean, I've been accused of being a wind tunnel at times, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we just uh, design it and cut it and put it together and go, well, that didn't work, and so then we do it again, and and uh, you know it gets kind of expensive and time consuming, but you end up with something like the 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 26 and the 35 inch that just fly so so well right uh, so it makes it worthwhile and my favorite thing about designing these planes and cutting these planes and selling them is uh, you know Seth is a great example because there's so many people that go to that event since it's all electric that own my airplanes and i'll usually stay up at Seth until midnight to two o'clock in the morning depending on what we're doing uh, and then i get up again at six and when I get up at six in the morning and I walk out on the flight line and the only airplanes that are in the air are the ones that I've designed, uh, you know, there's two <laughs> nice. or three of my foam kudas flying and a couple of Normans and, and this is in the, and you're just like, that's really cool. <laughs> nice. So, so I, I really like that. Uh, you know, the, the comments from, I've got some friends that, uh, that's the the CUDA, the foam CUDA is the it's their go to airplane. When everything else goes to crap, they're like, you know what, I'm just gonna fly the CUDA. And they go out and they just have a ball with it. Nice. Awesome, yeah. man. It makes me smile. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So how many events do you uh try to make a year? It seems like you go quite quite the you know, many. We we try to make as many as we can. The hard part is finding the events. Sure. Um mm-hmm. The of course, you know, Ceph and and Flight Fest and things like that are pretty Joe easy. Joe Uh We don't go mm-hmm. to Nall. Um, huh? No, uh, in fact, I've never been to to Triple Tree. And oh. as much as I, I guess you'd say I'd like to go there, I just don't want to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 
it's to to go there as a vendor is so expensive that we will probably never go there as a vendor. And to go there as a pilot, I mean it's you know that's a 20 20 some hour drive, probably 22 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen my my vehicle, but I drive a a Dodge uh, 5500 Cummins diesel. Nice. Um and then I've got my camper that I built that sits on top of my 12-foot flatbed. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then we've got the 28-foot enclosed trailer behind that. So we're averaging anywhere from 7.5 to 9 miles per gallon. Jeez. <laughs> uh, wow. And, yeah. yeah. So for a 24-hour drive, you're spending a lot of money on fuel. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it just... The math doesn't add up for us to go to to Jonal or to E Week, which they're not doing E Week anymore. E Week would have made more sense, and it was a little bit less expensive. Okay. Uh, but to have all electric guys out there, I think you know, as a business, I think we'd have done okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. But you know, Jonal uh, is, in my opinion, and again, I haven't been there, so you can set me straight if I'm wrong. But in my opinion, Jonal is more geared towards you know the the 100 cc and 120 and and you know the giant monster and the 3d stuff and mm-hmm. it, it's just it's not really geared towards you know high speed electric uh you know flying wings and and things like we do uh, you right. know norm norman obviously and the cuda would probably get some some pretty good attention there uh as would most of our other products uh and i think that we could actually sell enough to probably make it worth the trip but to spend that much money on a vendor area just it really bothers me uh, and so more out of principle i guess i probably won't won't ever go there as a vendor no fair enough makes sense yeah so uh, let's let's kind of talk about your your laser cutting portion like how many kits can you cut in a week curious uh a lot uh-huh. um, <laughs> yeah yeah we have two lasers now uh mm-hmm. one is uh, well they're both uh, 48 inch wide by 36 inch, uh, and one's 130 watt and one's a, an 80 watt. Okay. And if we had both machines running for eight hours a day, cutting nothing but mm-hmm. airplane kits, mm-hmm. um, holy crap, uh, we'd spend a ton on foam and wood. Um, sure. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, Christy, how many how many kudas do you think you could cut in a week if that's all you did? Uh, so she said she can do eight a day and that's, you know, her just feeding the machine, just one mm-hmm. machine. So eight kits a day for a week. What's that? Eight times seven, 56. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So she could and do that's on fi- one machine. So that's, that's not even on two, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's one machine. You know, I'm curious, like, because, you know, most bolts, it's like what? An eighth inch, you know, maybe you go a little bit thicker depending on what part it is. But like, I mean, Theoretically, with, depending on your laser, you can just top four sheets on it and cut four sheets in one shot. You know, I mean, I don't well, know the focal point. You know, of the yeah, laser. You, you could, but it wouldn't. You wouldn't end up with very good quality. Um, sure, sure, right. Some of it would. Uh, I guess the the bottom layer would might get a little less of a a cut. Yeah, I know the, well, the laser cutter I was using was I was cutting three H acrylic and just cut right through, no problem. Right. Um, it wasn't even like, I don't know, I mean, it was like a $30,000 laser cutter, but it's not like, I don't know, you know, like a CO2 laser cutter or anything that I could do carbon fiber or aluminum or anything. It was just right. something that can cut foam board and, and you know, balsa and, you know, hobby-grade plywood. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. We can cut one inch acrylic in a single pass. Woo. Um, so, I mean, yeah. pretty powerful machine. Yeah. Um, but again, the problem, like you explained, focal focal length, and most people don't mm-hmm. understand the focal point uh, on a laser, and and they don't understand that, that there are there's still limitations, obviously. Right. Um, for example, you can't cut anything PVC based, uh, yeah. you know, uh, because it puts off, uh, I believe it's cyanide gas mm-hmm. or chlorine gas or something. Anyway, whatever it is, it's yeah, bad yeah. and it like bad. kills you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we don't do that, um, but. Uh, so there's a couple of limitations there, but the other thing, there's different lenses, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, I guess most of the listeners probably won't know this, so I'll go ahead and explain it if you don't mind. Sure, um, yeah. We have, uh, and I'll use inches and millimeters on some of these, but uh, we have one that's a, I think it's a hundred millimeter, which uh, comes out to four inches roughly, if I remember right. So we've got mm-hmm. a four a four inch lens, and what that does then is takes the laser beam, it comes from the tube, bounces off a of one mirror hits another mirror that's on the moving part mm-hmm. of the machine, shoots mm-hmm. it over to the laser head, which then aims it down at the lens. The yep. lens then focuses it. Well, you set the material uh, at uh, whatever height your lens is so that you get uh, the focal point. You know, some materials you'll want it in the center of the material, some on top, mm-hmm. some on the bottom. just depends on the material. Uh, and that's all trial and error learning. But... Yep. Uh, if you use that four-inch lens, for example, to cut sixteenth-inch balsa, uh, the the kerf, meaning you know the amount of material it cuts away, mm-hmm. uh, is just astronomical compared to if I use my uh, inch and a quarter lens. Okay. So we go to an inch and a quarter lens, and and uh, I'll use the term spot. The spot, uh, you know, if you just took the laser and shot one spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, is so much smaller so you can have much much tighter tolerances and a much more a much better cut uh especially wasted material right right and and on balsa wood you know when you're cutting out a say a a tab and slot uh Mm -hmm. when you cut the slot say it needs to be 0.11 inches by you know 0.5 inches well to get that exact dimension you have to make it just a tick smaller so Mm -hmm. that the final cut actually is the dimension that you want. And that just comes off of experience uh, for the different materials. Right. Uh, Three sixteenth balsa, for example, you know, burns a little bit more away than, than 16th inch does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it depends on what lens you use. If you've got an inch and a half in there, a two inch, three inch, four inch, whatever you've got in there. Um, so the thicker materials, like one inch acrylic, for example, if I was going to cut one inch acrylic, I would want a longer focal length. So I'd want to run my four inch lens. Right. Um, and then I'd focus it in the center of the material. Uh, and if you think about any kind of a light, say a flashlight, you shine your flashlight out and the beam spreads. Mm-hmm. So it's leaving the focal point, which would be the lens at the end of the flashlight and spreading out. Well, the laser's doing the same thing. You've got a wide beam of light that comes down, hits lens, gets focused to a certain point, And once it gets to that point, it starts to spread again. Yeah. So if you're out of focus, which we actually intentionally do some things out of focus uh, to get a wider line. Okay. Uh, when we make uh, we make a lot of custom signs for people, um, mm-hmm. and you know like airplane signs and things like that, little funny sayings. We've got one that says "Measure twice, cut once," except it's cut off, and it says "Measure." T-W-I-C, the E is gone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and the whole thing is off-center. And so for that one, if you wanted to outline the letters on it, you'd take the machine out of focus uh, when it does that, so you have a nice wide uh, outline around the letters. And 
we do that at a low power setting so it doesn't cut through. It just leaves a, a nice mark on it. Yep. Um, just, yep. Yeah, so just different techniques. And then the engraving side of it, uh, think dot matrix printer. You know, you want to print a circle on a dot matrix printer, it runs back and forth, back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth, and just puts a little bit of ink down each time. The laser does the same thing when we engrave something. Yeah. Uh, and we can set how far apart those lines are. Uh, so, for example, on a really, really, really nice engraved piece, we'll usually set it at about 0.02 or 0.04 uh, inches mm-hmm. uh, for how far apart each pass is. And you can get a lot of depth that way, and you get a very, very precise uh, uh, cut. Um, whereas if you're doing something that just doesn't really matter as much, you know, something you're going to see from a long distance away, mm-hmm. then we'll spread that out to like 0.1. Uh, and it still looks really good up close, but not as uh, precise Detail, as something yeah. cut on a, on a tighter tolerance. So lots of different things that we can do and lots of ways to change things and make things just a little bit different and oh, that's if, awesome. you, yeah. if you look at the stuff that we do everything that we do is based on being a little bit different mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't have normal airplanes usually and i don't have you know uh it, when you go to my flight line my flight area at the field you're not going to see the same thing in my area as you do you know i don't have extras and edges and and yaks and 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 cessnas and this and that i have strange airplanes because you don't that's have what a p51 I, like. <laughs> uh, I actually own i own one p51 um when i was in afghanistan with the 101st i was in uh uh bagram uh we were over there for a year and somebody sent me a oh i forget which brand name it is might have been i don't think it was balsa usa national balls and no, i don't remember who makes it uh it's about a 36 or a 40 inch mustang and when I wasn't flying, I sat there at a table and built a, a, a balsa kit of a Mustang, and I covered it, and I've never flown it. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. It's, it's still sitting in a box over, uh, actually, just across the shop, sitting on uh, by a Delta that I used to fly, uh, just sitting there waiting for me to someday maybe go, okay, what the heck, I'll fly it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, not a Mustang guy. If I was going to do a Warbird, it would be a P-40. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really thinking about doing the uh, oh, who makes that great big P40 kit? Oh, I can't remember the name of the company. Tower Hobbies, I think, sells them. But uh, there's a kit out there. It's a giant scale uh, P40. I think Dan Landis just did one not too long ago. Okay. Uh, God, it's a really common common name. I can't remember the name of the company though, but. But yeah, I like building kits. That's the other thing. If I am going to build something that, you know, like I said, if I was going to build an extra or an edge or something like that, well, if you buy an, an ARF, it looks just like the guy who's parked next to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you build a kit, you can cover it however you want and you can make it, you know, make it your own. Right. And, and I, I like that side of it. Uh, you know, 3D hobby shops and all those guys, they make absolutely phenomenal airplanes. But you know, you go to the field and you see 20 of them. Yeah. Um, if they would sell them, you know, almost ready to cover, <laughs> then I'd be a lot more interested. You just invented a new category, almost ready to cover. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Nice. 
There you go. Yeah. Well, I've been telling the wife that, uh, and no offense to anybody, if, if anybody knows me, I, I like to joke a lot. Uh, I'm very rarely serious, but uh, sometimes I th- say things that probably aren't the most appropriate. So here's one of those times. Uh, I keep telling <laughs> the wife <laughs> that uh, I want to hire a midget. Yeah, I'm yeah, obviously yeah. very short myself. Uh, I'm, I'm only five foot six, so I'm I'm pretty close. I've been accused of <laughs> of being a midget many times, um, but anyway, I have no idea where I was going with that. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> you just wanted I, I to say her, she's shaking her head right now. She's like, I can't believe you just said that. Uh, uh, <laughs> so that they could, I could get somebody to build airplanes, and I could sell ARFs. Uh, I, I don't have the time to build kudas all day long i can cut them and she can cut them and we can box them up and we can sell them to you but i just very rarely will i build a a kit uh for a customer um Mm -hmm. peter chan is an exception to that uh he asked me to build him a new cuda uh, to replace uh serial number one he kept the hatch cover that has the serial number on it (laughs) nice he wants a new serial number one cuda so so i will actually build him an airplane so, Lane, are you saying that midgets are better uh, builders than us, you know? Absolutely. Over six foot? Oh, okay. Right. I, I, I think I understand why your wife says no. Because, <laughs> because I, they, don't, they don't go by midget anymore. They go by little people. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm more offended that, he, that Lane thinks that small people build better than us big people. I'm, well, yeah, I'm, their hands are smaller, and they can get them into those little <laughs> tiny places. Uh, okay. All right. That makes the, sense. the other thing I've also told her that I need I, I, <laughs> I, to be honest. Okay. If I won the lottery, okay. And won like $200 million, uh-huh. okay, I can tell you exactly what would happen. Uh, and it's mainly because I've said this for so many years. The first thing we would do is probably buy, uh, cause everything in Nebraska, I don't know if you knew this is set up in a one mile section. So every road in this part of Nebraska anyway, the farm country, is one mile. So the farms are quarter-mile squares inside of a one-mile section, and you can drive around the entire thing on a gravel road or paved road, whatever might be there. Uh, And that's the entire state. So when you fly over, you look down, it's this great big checkerboard. Um, Well, I told her that if we won the lottery, that I would probably buy this entire section. So I would own a square mile, which is, uh, let's see, 160 acres, 160, 160 is whatever that number is, a lot of acres. Mm-hmm. And we would uh, put a flying field in and put a pond in and probably have an ATV area too because I really like riding ATVs even though I sold mine. Um, and <laughs> we'd have a, a full-scale runway and you know we'd, we'd, we'd have some absolutely awesome events here at uh, at, we'll call it Lanes Plains Field. Um, but uh, anyway... Uh, if I won the lottery, that'd be the first thing I did. The second thing I would do is I would hire about 10 midgets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> little and, people. Yes, whatever. Uh, dwarf, <laughs> midget, little people. Very, 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 very short people. She's just shaking her head like, oh, yeah. Eventually, I'm going to get shot. Some some three foot six person is going to show up at my door and shoot me for being, <laughs> for being inappropriate. Um, have you anyway. have you ever shook a uh, little person's hand? Oh, absolutely. Uh, not that small. <laughs> no, no, and you know, I again, I'm not. Uh, uh, we are all going to hell for this episode. <laughs> not me. <laughs> hey, you said you're you're tall, and that's better. So, see, you're wrong. Too. Yeah, yeah. You're I saying. was just no. I just wanted to know why you thought that 
a smaller person would be a better builder, and that actually made sense. Yeah. Uh, well, but I would hire these guys and girls because uh, you know I'm not mm-hmm. sexist. <laughs> and oh no, you know <laughs> we don't want to throw they, that in the mix. Right, right. Yeah, and I don't even know what it would be called to be. Uh, because it's not racist because you know little people aren't a race it's not sexist because it's not sex so what would it be vertically challenged she says it's discrimination but it's not discrimination because i don't have any any problem with anybody Uh, (laughs) i'm I'm used to that uh anyway i'd hire about 10 very 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 small people and everything from working on my cars because i always need help uh, and they can get their hands into those places that I can't. Uh, and, you know, the li- my car lift wouldn't have to go up so high. You see, there's all these good things. You're really killing the Willy Wonka movie for me now. I can't go back and watch that anymore. <laughs> you thought a bunch of Oopaloopas working in his garage. <laughs> I've never watched the movie. And, uh, you know, but I swear to God, Crash Crash was going to, uh, when we were going down, down to his house, he was going to post an ad on craigslist looking for and and midgets probably not right not the right word anymore but that's the best i can come up with uh to come to the house and be there when i got there oh, um, man. that would have been but, hysterical uh, yeah and great uh but he he wasn't able to accomplish that task uh so but you know that, that was it's and please nobody please don't be offended by my silliness because i swear to god i'm just I'm just trying to be funny. Uh, so, but I still would hire a bunch of midgets. That's for dang sure. No doubt about it. <laughs> if, if you're over four feet tall, you can't work at Lane's Plains. I think, I think it's because I am so short and then I would actually feel tall for once. Okay. I think maybe that's why. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Everybody tells me I have to sit on a phone book in the helicopter already. Jeez. No, really? Well, I'm five, six. He can't uh, do that. If he does that, he can't reach the rudder pedals. Well, the seat the, the seat's adjustable and the pedals are adjustable in a helicopter. Oh. So you can, you can move the pedals towards you or away from you. There's usually three settings. And you can move the seat forward and backward just like in a car. And then some, you can actually move the seat up and down. Um, and when I fly, I have to move the seat almost all the way forward. And I have to move the pedals towards me. And every other pilot, I was the supervisor uh, at uh, my last job. And so... I'm the supervisor, and I move the seat forward and the pedals uh, back towards me. And then mm-hmm. everyone else there was over six feet tall. So the other three pilots always had to move the pedals back out and move the seats back so that they could fly. And it kind of became a joke. I'd leave them forward like that so that when they got in, they couldn't get in. Right. Uh, they were just they were just too big to fit. It was kind of funny. But they used to pick on me a lot for, for being short. So, But that's okay. So, Lynn, I've heard that. Flying a, a an actual helicopter, full size helicopter, is like trying to stand on a basketball in the middle of a gymnasium. Is it really that, or is it kind of that? Or a guy with a, some RC experience would have an easier time flying? Or what, what do you think about that? You're pretty close to a good explanation. Um, standing on a basketball in a gymnasium while holding another basketball and trying to balance a marble on top of it. Oh, jeez. That would be more accurate. Um, So just think back to, do do you both fly helicopters? RC? Okay. Think back to the first time you flew an RC helicopter. Um, 
as soon as it lifted off the ground, of course it started spinning madly uh, and was going somewhere. <laughs> and you basically had very little control of you know what in the heck was happening to try to get it to come back. Uh, and eventually, and if you have somebody helping you, you know, with a, a trainer or something like that, uh, or if you tether it, maybe you know, with the the little spread landing gear to to help control an RC helicopter, mm-hmm. eventually you'll get to a point where okay, now you can control the heading, and you can keep the nose pointed away from you until you learn that. But you still can't keep your altitude right, and the thing still is wobbling left, right, forward, and backward all over the place. Um, so then you just you have to be able to build one thing on top of the other, and to learn to fly a helicopter, that's how they do it. So I'd put a student in the helicopter with me, and I'd take off and put it at a hover, and I'd say, okay, you have everything. And within five seconds, we've almost been killed. And oh, so I geez. take the control, and I take the controls away and say, okay, do you see? And they're like, yeah, what the hell? Uh, so, okay, I have the pedals, and I have the collective, which, you know, the pedals mm-hmm. obviously control the heading, and the collective controls altitude. Mm-hmm. And all they have is the cyclic, which is our directional control. And so oh, they, yeah. mm-hmm. they they get the feeling on the cyclic of what it's going to do, and they still try to kill you. Um, <laughs> but you teach them to be able to hold a position, basically a 10-foot square, which is not very accurate sure. uh, but if, if they can keep the helicopter in about a 10 foot square with the cyclic then they're doing pretty good and that takes a while to get then you take away the cyclic and you give them the collective so now i'm flying the cyclic in the in the pedals and all their job is to do is to keep me at the same altitude you know three feet or five feet whatever it might be and so they get the feeling of how the collective works and how much input to make to to maintain that altitude and again they try to slam you into the ground and they try to climb to the you know to the clouds and you you correct them and and that's how you teach them that then you take that away and you give them the pedals so you do everything else they control the heading once they get that figured out now you give them two things at the same time and you're back to square one again where it's like they've never done it before and they're trying to learn because you you can't focus on two things at once uh when you're when you have to think about it right uh if you had to think about flying your model airplanes or your helicopters every movement uh you know like you used to do when you were learning it uh mm-hmm. it's very difficult to do well if you have to think about you know not dying uh <laughs> add in the fact you're nervous because you're in a strange environment it's loud there's vibrations there's this there's that and now you're trying not to die um so then when you give them all three things, uh, again, it's like they're learning all over again. Uh, but usually six to 12 hours uh, of flight time, and they can hover the aircraft well enough to not die. Hmm. Um, forward flight is simple. Just about anybody can fly a helicopter in forward flight. Maybe not well, but well enough to, to live. It's like an airplane. Um, flies the same, just much more responsive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's very very hard. And once you get to the point that you can fly the helicopter, uh, well, then you start throwing things like, oh yeah, you also have radios. <laughs> and yeah. So now you have to be able to, yeah, and you have to, you literally have to be able to fly the aircraft 100% without thinking about anything. So it's 100% muscle memory. Uh, can you stand and have a conversation with somebody while doing 3D with a helicopter, an RC helicopter? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that can be tough. 
It can be, but depending on what you know, talking about. But yeah, you know, don't sure. tell me to do math while I'm trying to, you know, smack my helicopter around. <laughs> but you know, but yeah, if you want right. to have a, a light conversation or talk about my flight or what I'm doing next and you know that type of stuff, yeah. Right. Well, with a real helicopter, when you're flying, you do have to do math while yeah. flying a helicopter. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're doing math and you're doing planning you're and you're heading doing, yeah all that stuff right mm-hmm. you're checking things and you're doing fuel checks to make sure your fuel's working fine you're checking gauges so you're doing all of those things while and in my job for example i've got uh, five different radios i've got vhf radios uhf radios fm radios and then a satellite phone uh, and then we also had a cell phone that was hooked to the aircraft we were authorized to use a cell phone in flight and then you've got the ipad that we use instead of using paper charts so you've got that information um and so you're listening to all these radios all at the same time uh and you know maybe a cell phone plus you've got people in the back you know your med crew that you're talking to um and you're doing all of this stuff all at the same time while flying the aircraft and to even throw more challenge into it we were uh i'm an ifr pilot so we fly in the clouds Mm -hmm. so you add in that aspect of it where now you're in the clouds flying an aircraft you can't see outside of while talking on all these things and dealing with the people in the aircraft also so it gets it's it's an extremely taxing job and uh, you know, airplane pilots, they'll fly 8, 12, 15 hours, you know, from here to wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll trade out pilots every few hours uh, and, and get some rest. Um, with a helicopter, you, I've done a nine-hour flight. I actually flew 9.1 hours in a Blackhawk in Afghanistan, continuous. The only thing we did was stop for fuel, and you don't shut off. You just refuel while you're still running. Right. And 9.1 hours, you're wiped out for two days. Yeah, I was about to say, how, how much mental fatigue is that just, you know, that long? Being yeah, because there, there you've got all that stuff going on, plus people shooting at you. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so there's just so much going on. It's very, very draining. And it's not so much a physical thing. Yeah, I mean, okay, it's 100 degrees outside, and you don't have air conditioning, and you're wearing body armor and all the stuff. But, uh, you know, it's not a physically demanding job as far as, you know, strength or anything like that. I can lift mm-hmm. 22,000 pounds with my little finger in a Blackhawk. Uh, but uh, it, you're, you're just worn out after even a three, four-hour flight. And you do two or three, three or four hour flights in one day, and you go home and you, you're ju- you're done. Just out, yeah. yeah I'm about sure. to say, like I fly my five minute helicopters, I'm worn out, <laughs> having to concentrate that right. much. You know, now it's not that's not nowhere near life or death or anything like that. So to add that on top of that, plus yeah. having to talk to someone on the other end of that radio saying these are my coordinates, this is my you know my flight path and all this stuff. Oh my god, I, just, I, I can shoot at you next time, Steve. Yeah, yeah. yeah, shoot at his feet. See if that gets his attention. <laughs> sure. Uh, have him give him two cell phones. Tape them to his head. One on each side. <laughs> two conversations. Two conversations. Same time, right? <laughs> well, somebody's shooting at his feet, and then tell him that uh, if you crash the helicopter while doing all of this stuff, that you're going to kill three people standing next to him. <laughs> what depends which three? And do math. <laughs> And, yeah, do and do math. <laughs> yeah, because you need to know how much fuel you have, how much duration you've got. Make sure that your fuel burn is correct. Keep track of all your gauges and temperatures. And yeah, so good luck with that. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it, it's it's a great job, and it's a it's a it's 
I don't know. I love it. Uh, I'm actually a better helicopter pilot than I am an airplane pilot. Um, for some reason, uh, the, the guy that's teaching me is a friend of mine here uh, in airplanes. And I, he wants me to do power off landings all the time. Mm-hmm. So we'll take off and it doesn't matter what aircraft we're in. Um, and we'll fly pattern and I'll turn final. And he wants basically me at uh, an altitude and distance from the runway where we can always make the runway, even if the engine quits, which is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after a couple of days of flying with him, uh, he, we'd take it down to idle and come in and land basically at idle every time, you know, flaps and this and that. Mm-hmm. And I just could not get the, the sight picture, you know, of when to flare and, and this and that. And so finally I told him, I said, I got an idea. He says, what's that? I said, just sit there and shut up. <laughs> I, said, I said, don't say nothing. And uh, he's like, all right, fine. And he crosses his arms. And I said, no, 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 don't be a dick. I said, you know, just, we can talk about stuff, but don't tell me how to fly unless I'm going to kill us or something or damage. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Let me do this. And he said, okay. And so I flew a pattern and did a power on landing, just brought it in, you know, flaps and, and kept it around. Oh, I don't remember 1200 RPM or something so that I had a little bit of power and just brought it in and, and just did this beautiful, smooth landing. And he goes, no, why can't you do that every time? I said, because you're stressing me out over there telling me to do this and do that. Just leave me alone and let me fly the thing. Once I get the feel for it and understand what I'm looking for and when it's going to happen, I'll, uh-huh. I'll get this. Right. Uh, and then doing the power off landings, no problem. But until that point, I think you need to have a, a frame of reference to exactly. To yep. And, and I never had sense. that. Um, so that works for me. But you know, constantly come around and then go to idle and okay, land it. That's that. That's just a little more difficult, I think, than I was ready for. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the flying of airplanes, taking off, flying is they're simple. Yeah. Um, Except for on the carbureted ones, that stupid carb heat. Uh, that's my nickname is carb heat because I always forget to turn the carb heat off. Uh, I, I soloed in the, oh, I think it was the 172 months ago and uh, jumped in that and went and flew three or four patterns with it. Came in, landed, taxied over to the hangar, went to shut it down, looked down and was going through the checklist and looked down. And I was like, oh, stupid carb heat. I had left it. <laughs> left carb heat on again uh so that carb heat's my arch nemesis <laughs> that's why i like fuel injected airplanes i don't have to worry about that yeah <laughs> so but yeah airplanes are much easier to fly than helicopters mm. yeah i feel like helicopters are definitely a little a little bit on the crazier side like these things aren't supposed to fly they're really not definitely yeah, a challenge in the rc world yeah sure. yes yeah, yeah, helicopters are, are massive parts spinning around an oil leak discussing metal fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because uh, today I went to a little local hobby shop by my way. Uh, you might notice, Kevin, FNH or FNM, the one yeah. in Randolph. Yep. And, you know, and the guy sitting there, and I was like, yeah, you know. I'm telling him, like, yeah, Mike, I'm trying to get back maybe a little bit into the car stuff. You know, I bought this one for my daughter and myself and, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but I'm, I'm mainly on the, the RC helicopter. He's like, oh. Looks at me, he's like, RC helicopters. Where's the fun in that? And I was like, what do you mean? The challenge. It's really challenging. He's like, yeah, what challenge? And I'm like, wait a minute. 
So wait, what do you do? He's like, RC cars. I was like, well, where's the challenge in that? Because you drive around circles or whatever around the track or jumping it or bashing it. But, you know, it gets boring. Like you're on the ground. You're always on the ground. You're always, even if you're in the air for a second, you're back on the ground. He's like, yeah, but the challenge is making this thing go faster. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, yeah, I got this thing up to 100 miles per hour. And I was like, yeah, do that. I could do that with my little mini comment when I hand that. That did 100 miles per hour. You know, like that wasn't that impressive. You know? <laughs> he's like, oh, but, but dude, dude. I was just like, uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess, you know. It's the extra dimension, dude, that you know. makes yes. it a challenge for us. I think. Well, that and it's also like the orientations is really the most challenging part in my book. Like, you know, obviously you need to know your upright orientations, but it's also forward flight, reverse flight, sideways flight, inverted flight, you know, and then it's inverted forward, inverted backwards, inverted sideways. Like, there's just so many to it, you know. So, yeah, I look at, I look mm-hmm. at cars as two dimensional, mm-hmm. uh, airplanes as three dimensional, and helicopters as four dimensional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and so yeah, it, I don't it, know. <laughs> but, but you know what? You can make anything into a challenge, and sure. You know, what's the what's the most boring type of flying that you can possibly imagine? I mean, something that you just think, oh, snooze fest, that's not even any fun. Flying at Mikey's RC by playing <laughs> Kevin Hatt. That I was thing thinking was so the same slow thing. and so boring. I was like, why, why did you build this thing? What's the point? It's well, have terrible. You flown, have you flown sailplanes? I have. I have a warm liner, and I've, I've you know, I started out for Gentle Lady, which... Mm-hmm didn't really last long and tail heavy and came down on his tail and cracked it and i threw it away um but yeah i mean like the sailplanes yeah i to me they're kind of boring you know like it's fun to maybe hunt for thermals but besides that it's like you throw in the air and you're sitting there for 30 minutes trying to fly this thing around you know right so if you think about it the the slowest most you know almost boring aspect of flying would be sailplanes whether they're mm-hmm. powered sailplanes discus launch or or a high starter tow glider whatever sure. doesn't matter because it's slow it's you know but you want to have some of the, the the most challenging flying that you can think of do an lmr contest with a sailplane limited motor run contest i mm-hmm. never ever ever was interested in sailplanes i don't care they they look boring that's not sure. fun i want to do 150 with my hair on fire uh-huh and then somebody said hey we're doing this contest and i went oh so i bought a sailplane and i went and did this contest and 12 minutes of my heart pounding out of my chest sweating and just nerve-wracking difficulty uh some of the most fun flying I've ever done. Um, and an LMR oh. works, works yeah, like yeah, go this. Ahead. Mm-hmm. A two-minute motor run is what you can do. So your first two minutes, you can run the motor, get to whatever altitude you want, put the airplane, position it however you want. After two minutes, you have to shut it off, and if you turn the motor on again, you're disqualified. Okay. Oh, then, wow. Yes. And you can do this with a Radian. Hell, we, Jason Cole, I think, got second or third place with a Micro, the UMX Radian. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter what the airplane is, really. Uh, but most people are flying 100, 120, 140-inch, you know, sailplanes. Some of them extremely expensive. Some of them, I, I, I got second place with a $50 uh, Dynaflight Butterfly that I bought from some guy at a yard sale that was built crooked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, what the heck. But... Uh, and that was my second sailplane. Um, 
but so two minute motor run and then you have to fly the airplane for 10 more minutes and land it uh in a 40 foot circle in front of you exactly at 12 minutes i have heard of wait wait does the plane have to survive yes you have to be able Uh, to fly the plane again uh uh, okay you do three flights and if you go over your time you lose points. If you go mm-hmm. under your time, you lose points. And if you don't land in the circle, you lose points. Right. So, and I think it's like a 1200 point system, if I remember correctly. Uh, so, and I don't know if it's one point per second or what, but uh, it, to get a 12 minute perfect flight uh, where you land it in the spot landing circle at exactly 12 minutes is one of the most rewarding things because it is so, so difficult. Um, question but yeah do you have a timer or do you have to do this 12 minutes in the head <laughs> no 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 you have a you okay. have, I have a I have a guy next to me who's running a timer you have a and, spotter and it was a timer okay good <laughs> and normally I have another guy with me as a spotter because if I lose the airplane say I'm up at a thousand or fifteen hundred feet and you know the the sun or whatever and I lose the aircraft his job is to know where it's at also. Um, I've seen a lot of people lose some really, really nice airplanes. Just you lose sight of it and you, you know, you blink and you, where'd it go? Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a dot because, as it is, right? Yeah. Just because of altitude. Um, and so to keep these things up there, especially on some days, I mean, you've got to find some of the, maybe the smallest thermals that you could possibly imagine, mm-hmm. you know, on a cloudy day where it's kind of cool outside, just to maintain altitude long enough to, to get your, your flight time in. Um, and, you know, you learn what it looks like when you do have some lift, uh, how to identify it and what the mm-hmm. aircraft does and, you know, learning things like adjusting the camber and the, and, you know, the flaps and spoilers and this is, and that's to try to get the airplane to do what you want it to do and maintain, uh, you know, flight for the, the amount of time you want. So it's I've like, again, never, ever been interested in sailplanes until I did that contest. And I was absolutely hooked. Um, I was lucky enough this year to get second place again. So, that was that was pretty cool. The only time I do it is out at Ceph, mm-hmm. um, and it's. I would do a hundred sailplane contests a year if I knew where they were. Uh, it's just that much fun. Did you win nice. again, or did you get second place again with the same plane, or was it something different no. this year? Uh, this year I didn't get uh, an airplane built. So, two three years ago. Uh, I had my my Prowler, which is my 128 inch that I designed, right. and I got second. I got second with that. Or I'm sorry, I got third with that one. Second, third, I don't know. Uh, the year before that, I had the the Dynaflight, and I got second or third with it. And the year before that, I had uh, an airplane called the uh, the Acromaxi, which was more of a kind of a warm liner type sailplane. Um, I didn't. I don't think I placed with that. So I've got two seconds and a third. Uh, last year, I didn't have a sailplane. And I said, hmm, I need something to fly an LMR. So I designed this thing uh, in about, I don't know, one day. It was about 100, 110-inch wingspan. Uh, the airfoil was the CUDA airfoil. Um, and it had this really crazy shape. We named it, uh, I named it the WTF. Because <laughs> it, you look, it was just a carbon boom with this crazy wing that I had put some carbon cloth on, and uh, 
had uh, uh, flaps and ailerons on it and a V-tail and just really, really an ugly airplane. Um, but I said, I need a sailplane. So I threw this thing together and took it out to Seth. And I don't think I made 10 minutes on any of the flights. It was terrible. Uh, but again, you're using an you know, a high speed airfoil <laughs> to try to do a sailplane. It's not going to work well. <laughs> yeah. It seems kind of, um, yeah. not designed for that for sure. <laughs> not at all. Uh, yeah. but it does turn out that if you cover the thing with LEDs, it's a great night flyer. Nice. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Had a lot of fun with that until I had a servo get stuck in the ailerons and, and I said, Oh, what the heck? And I just kept flying it and it'd stick and you'd keep flying and try to control it. And I ended up crashing it to finally get rid of it. Um, but, uh, so yeah, last year I didn't do well at all. Uh, but then this year I didn't have a sailplane and I, we were trying to get ready for Seth with cutting all of our stuff. So mm-hmm. I ordered a, I went on, uh, the internet and found, uh, FMS makes a sailplane. Uh, it's called the Fox and it's far from, you know, the best sailplane out there, but it was cheap. Mm-hmm. It was $199, uh, plug and play. And runs on a 3S 1300, and I think it's a, I don't know, 100-inch or 90-something-inch wingspan foam mm-hmm. airplane. And it's not a radium, because I don't want to yeah. be like everybody else. Right. So mm-hmm. I had never seen one before, and I said, that'll work. So that's what I bought, and I had never flown it. I took it out there. I assembled it, went and test flew it, and wasn't real thrilled, so I made some adjustments to it. And then spray-painted some color on it and went and flew it in the contest. So go. Nice. And that's... Still ended up second, so that was good. It was good enough for what I was doing. But uh, for next year, hopefully I'll have the Prowler redesigned and, mm-hmm. and ready for the contest. Because it is, I mean, it's just such a great flying airplane. I was so happy with that thing. Nice. Cool. All right. I guess uh, at this point, let's move it on to our next section. And it is called the Top 10 Shotgun Round. And basically, Lane, it's going to be, you know... <laughs> Us just throwing some questions out there, um, kind of like the first question, pinch your thumb, and you just basically, you know, let, let us know which one you do, right? Just answer the questions. Okay. And we try to keep it short answers and try to get this uh, pretty quickly done. So, uh, Kevin, short do you want to go me? first? You don't, <laughs> you don't get short answers Three hours me. later. <laughs> well, let's, let's try to make it short. You know, that's all we can ask for. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> Kevin, you want to go first or should I? Um. I'll go first because uh, you went first last time. Okay, go for it. All right, pinch your thumb. That's for you, Lane. Yeah, you pinch my thumb. You pinch your thumb on the <laughs> transmitter. <laughs> I know. I just pinched my thumb. I, I pinched no, my no. thumb. Uh, I'm a thumb guy. Okay, nice. Uh, nitro or electric? Oh, electric. My wife is deathly allergic to nitro. It put her in the hospital, so we don't do nitro. Wow, really? Wow, okay. Uh, Quick, before we go to the next one, how about gas? No gassers, right? uh, Gassers are fine. Okay. Okay, next question is, do you like the small park flyers, or are you more the quarter-scale guy? Um, I prefer large airplanes. If I had a choice, everything I have would be 65 inches and bigger. Nice. Uh, but with electric, sometimes that's not feasible. That's why my 50cc gas airplane is up there, my biplane. Uh, that right. and biplanes. I love biplanes. Oh, me too. 
Yeah, Kevin's big hit on Vipers. Nice. Uh, let's see here. Uh, gyros or no gyros? None. Uh, sport or 3D aerobatic planes do you like? I like an airplane capable of 3D because I like the control that it has, but I don't fly 3D. Okay. So, so I sport fly 3D airplanes. How about that? I like that. Yeah, or uh, at that extreme speed. Yeah, I mean, the faster the better. Sure. Uh, strap or strapless? Oh, I wear a neck strap always. Uh, the wife bought me a DX-18 for my birthday when it... F- What's that? Yeah, we call it safety necklace, yeah. The DX-18? Yeah, she bought me... She bought me my DX-18 right when they first came out. She bought it for my birthday. Uh, brand new radio, you know, and from that point on, I was like, if I got a radio that costs this much, it will never be used without a neck strap because <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to drop it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I still fly my Gen 1 DX-18. I love that thing. Nice. Awesome. Uh, let's – sorry, go. As far as servos go, are you like – a more expensive servo user, or do you put the cheap Hobby King stuff in, just something to get by? Or I do my taste? absolute best to never order from Hobby King. No offense to Hobby King, but uh, I want to su- try to support American companies. Um, so while, yes, their stuff may come from China, at least it's an American company, you know, usually a brick-and-mortar store in the U.S. So so what had, servos do you go for, then? Because I don't know any servos that are American. Well, and they're not American-made, necessarily, but yeah. I try to buy them from somewhere in the U.S. Um, generally, I will fly uh, high-tech servos if uh, I'm trying to, uh, on a big airplane. Okay. Uh, high-tech Wait, so high-tech's is a U.S. company? No, 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 no. I'll buy them from a U.S. vendor. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, um, isn't high tech of Rutaba? Like, aren't it, they all just Japanese companies anyway? <laughs> they, they are. Hell, they're probably all made in the same factory. I think so. Uh, I think Serial King makes them all. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like lipos, you know? The, yeah. Uh-huh. They all come from like three places. Yeah. Um, but uh, now on my smaller stuff, though, um, Heads Up RC, have you ever bought from them? No. I've heard uh, of them. Heads Up RC is one of my favorite places. Head, heads Up and Aloft. Uh, we get all of our carbon fiber Aloft. from Aloft. Okay. Uh, Aloft hobbies. And uh, Heads Up RC, I think they're down in Florida. Um, and no matter what I order, I think shipping is two bucks. Oh, that's uh, great. Which is phenomenal. Yeah. And w- as soon as I order it, it's in the mail. Uh, usually the same day, which is kind of like Lane's Planes. Uh <laughs> You place an order through Lane's Planes, and nine times out of ten, it gets shipped the same day you order it. Um, nice. But uh, heads up, great prices. Even though he does have, you know, he he has Emacs servos and high techs and and power up. And so for the Cudas, for example, I'll use power up servos because they're inexpensive and they seem to work really really well. Okay. Uh, but an American company again, so nice. that I buy them from. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, profile or full fuselage planes? Full fuse. I like full fuse. Mm-hmm. Although I plan to design a profile 3D type airplane very soon. Okay. Nice. Do you like high KV small prop or low KV big prop? Well, that just depends on the airplane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the CUDA runs a, a high KV small, small prop and Jai Norman has, a, I think, a 19 by 10 on it. Yeah, uh, with an out. What's so. what's the what's the outrunner KV? 
that's a E Flight Power One Ten, so it'd be around three hundred and ninety, maybe. Okay. Yeah, very low KV. Nice. All right, and the last one is uh, a big event like Seth, or a smaller events like your local club flies. Well, I guess it depends on the intent. If I'm going there as a business trying to do well, then the bigger events are always better. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going there more to have fun uh, than the smaller events, um, the big events are cool because people haven't seen, you know, Jai Norman and the CUDA and things like that because we don't do a lot of advertising. Um, so it's really neat because I'll go fly a CUDA and you mm-hmm. go scream across the field at 130. Uh, at Flight Fest, for example, the very first year we went, and I'd fly the CUDA and come in, walk back to the pits or to my tent, and I'd sell five of them uh, right, because people nice. were like, "That thing is amazing." Um, so, and I was selling balsa kits to people who had never, you know, they they build foam airplanes. So right. it was pretty. It was really impressive. We sold out of CUDAs the first year we were at Flight Fest. Uh, so. You know, I, big events are great on that aspect. I like to meet new people and talk to people. Uh, mm-hmm. My local field, I love going there and flying with those guys. Um, but, you know, it's the same people, with generally the same airplanes. So it just depends on what I'm after that day. To go do a test flight, I'll just go to my local field, of course. To introduce a new product, I'll go to my local guys and see what they think of it first. Mm-hmm. I, I try to take good care of the guys here. We've got a combat plane that we make, and I sell them a hundred of a year and uh we give them to them really cheap and they just beat the crap out of them <laughs> nice all right steve yeah so there you uh, go you want to do uh news and announcements or you want to just go to what's next for you uh we could do news and announcements uh, we'll keep try to keep it somewhat okay. short okay so yeah so sab huh SAB Heli Division has uh, released a new helicopter. Yes, I wrote two things down. Yeah. They uh, announced the Goblin Kraken. Uh huh. Which is what, dude? What the hell is that? 700 size, right? It looks like a 700 size, but it's totally re engineered. Um, The servo layout is very similar to the Mini Comet or Fireball. So your elevator servo is horizontally mounted while you're. Your two aileron servos are vertically mounted um, right next to each other. Um, and did I notice el- that the elevator servo is in the front on this? No, model? no, it's in the back. It's in the back. It's in the, okay. it's in the back. But the unique, the real unique part about this, there's two unique things that I noticed. Um, obviously, there's like this crazy design on the canopy. Like it's like a three part canopy. Now you have your front main part, you have your tail boom, then you have like these side things that kind of go on the bottom. Um, but the, the real key points that I've noticed is the gear system is now encased in oil. Really? Yeah. So like, you know how like on a goblin, you have your normal transmission plate and then with the transmission plate, you have your, your main gear and you have a, your main intermediate shaft gear that goes out to another gear that's driven by the belt on the motor. Right. Right. And then that also drives a tail pulley that goes to the back. This one it's now in case. Now, I didn't really get a chance to see inside of it too much. They haven't really, really shown the, the, the heart of it. But it's definitely different. They have a pivoting head system on it now, uh, which they pulled from the Goblin um, Comet. It also has a crazy tail system. Now, this tail system, 
looks to me more of a tail steps than you see on a scale heli. So you know how in a traditional helicopter you have your, like say on a goblin, you have your tail pulley, right? Your, your pulley gear in the back and then it's a tail shaft. And then outside the tail shaft you have your hub, which your you know tail grips go onto. And then between the hub and your tail boom case, you have like your, your tail pitch slider, right? Your arm and the, the slider that goes back and forth that gives you um, positive negative pitch on your on your tail blades, right? This time, the control is done through a shaft through the tail shaft. So it's actually controlled from the opposite side of your main, of your where your hub is with your, your tail shafts, uh, your tail blade holders are. So it's kind of more of a traditional helicopter style that you see on like um, more of the smaller civilian helicopters. I think I've seen it. You know, remember that guy? What was his name? Um, we saw at South Jersey with the, the full scale helicopter. I think his name was Greg. Greg, yeah. Yeah. And if you look at the tail system on his helicopter, it had like a rod that would push out and it would basically push or pull the, your, the tail blades to give them pitch, positive, negative pitch, or, you know, I guess. So wait a minute. The, the tail shaft itself has a rod going through it? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's very, it's, it's so hard to, it reminds um, me explain. of a 1970 Harley Davidson Sports, their wet clutch, dude. That's what it reminds me of. We had linkage and pins that went all the way through the motor, and it was, it was, I don't know. I don't know how it works on a helicopter, but they redesigned it on the Harley Davidson because it sucked. So hopefully yeah. it doesn't suck on the helicopter. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and granted, this, <clears throat> this has been done before on other designs. Um, yeah. And I mean, if it works on full scale. Yeah, I mean, and other folks have done it in NRC too, so it's not like revolutionary, revolutionary, but it is definitely okay. different, and it's definitely not the norm that you would see. You know, you look at every single helicopter, um, modern RC helicopter today, they all have the same tail system. Like you look at it, the design, the overall design is all the same. You know, they might have some tweaks with, you know counterweights and stuff like that but it's all pretty much the same this is very unique um i've only seen one or two other helicopters that have this and i don't even know if they're still flying those helicopters to this day so um so it's cool we'll we'll see we'll see how it plays out i'm curious to see how it actually performs um you know if it puts more stress or less stress on the on your tail servo you know because that it's now pushing a longer you know, lever or rod through your tail system that's spinning, you know? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, but definitely it's uh it is a new helicopter design. It, it looks very similar when you look at it from the outside, but internally it is just totally redesigned. So I'm really happy and curious to see what this is going to turn out to be. So we'll see. The other thing from SAB, and this is not from their heli division, but more on their, I guess, their, um, what is it? Material division? No, no. What is it called? Like, uh, it's, you know, what SAB used to be. SAB used to make, they used to be just blades. They used to just make carbon fiber blades. And they started the heli division. Now they're going back into, like, uh, what is it? The carbon fiber, the molding, that that stuff, you know? And the composite division? The composites, yeah. Exactly. And now they have this crazy looking jet that's like four sweeping wings right 
and it's huge. It's not. It's not a small jet. I mean, it's yeah, not. I was trying to find. I know I saw the video mm-hmm. uh, that that Burt Cameron posted. I think it was Burt, right? Yeah. Well, uh, his voice, the, his voiceovers. Yeah. Yeah, and I couldn't find uh, anything online though when I tried googling it. Yeah, I don't think there's much information there's not much online yet. Yeah, the jet looks there. sick though. Dude, it looks amazing. I know. Uh, I think uh, Tao he he put up some pictures because he's one of the factory pilots of SAB Goblin, and he was you know they're all over there in Italy uh, this past week, you know showcasing the new Goblin Kraken and and a couple of other stuff that SAB has been working on. And I mean it was like green or red, but I'm like wow, yeah. sign me up for both. <laughs> they look amazing, but I know that that price tag is gonna be insane. Like being a yeah. turbine jet, first of all, right? You're spending that type of money. You know? Oh, was it turbine? I didn't know that. Oh, at that size, there's no way that that thing's going to be an EDF. There's no way. Yeah, it has to be turbine. I mean, that thing, I don't know. What would you say the length was? At least five feet? And then the width was at least maybe, a, I don't know. Oh, see, I didn't think it was that big. I thought oh, it was it, like maybe cute. four by three or something. Oh, no. Maybe, maybe I might be over estimating it but it just looked huge in my opinion huge <laughs> okay but yeah either way um that's something new and hopefully uh we'll see we'll see when they uh get some more info out on that yeah cool all right what's next for you in a hobby who wants to go first i'll go first all right what's next for hopefully you hopefully dodging raindrops and uh doing some flying hopefully i get my parts in nice. order parts to fix yeah. all my stuff and <laughs> Uh, maybe made in the, the Steerman soon. And I'm not, I'm not, probably not going to be this weekend, but I'm not sure. Okay. Maybe. Who knows? Nice. Uh, let's see. Is that it? Or you got more? That's it. I just got, I got like, I got the car project. I got the airplane project. I got two helicopters and projects going on with that. So, um, just got parts coming in all over. So I don't know what is going to show up when and, um what i'm gonna do next so one of those three nice all right so i'll go real quick too so i gotta fix my oxy four fix my oxy three um replace the tail servo on my n7 uh replace the not replace but clean out the um what do you call it what is that thing called the regulator on my 105 on my goblin nitro Yep, get my new charging case in hopefully sometime next week. And charge some stuff. Charge some stuff and go fly because I don't. if I don't fly in like a week, I get like crazy in my head. So I need to go fly. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Okay. Cool. All right. Are we ready what to wrap Lane? it up? Oh, yeah. Lane, what do you got? <laughs> well, next for me in the hobby, I think our next show is probably Flight Fest, unless we have a local one before then. Nice. Um, so that'll be our next big show for sure. Uh, looking much, much forward to that. And then we're doing Flight Fest in Texas this year, too. I think it's in oh, November. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be great. In fact, I spoke to Stefan uh, this afternoon on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, as far as for Lane's planes, uh, designing a new set of wings for the CUDA. I think we're going to use the same fuselage and having a modular airplane is cool because you can purchase yeah. another set of wings and have a completely different aircraft. Um, so I want to do a set of Delta wings, a set of 
straight wings and then maybe uh, just a swept back kind of standard wing. Um, so we could have you know, four or five different airplanes out of the same same airplane, which would be kind of neat. That's cool. Uh, that and fun. yeah, and then selling as many uh, Normans as we can, which is a lot of them right now. We <laughs> I can't make enough. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so you know, check out lanesplanes.com and buy something because we've got some really cool stuff there. And yeah, if you get an idea, sure. guys, on something that you want or something you want to see or a type of aircraft, please let me know and we'll see what we can do. Awesome. Uh, yeah, okay. so for our listeners who want to get in touch with you, obviously lanesplanes.com, but is there any other way they can uh, get in touch with you and ask yes. questions or buy your stuff? Obviously, uh, yeah. Go to uh, our Facebook page, Lanes Planes uh, Facebook, uh, and it's L-A-I-N-E-S. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then we've got lanesplanes at gmail.com. And if you go to my actual website, my personal cell phone number is right there on the website. Um, I'm available to customers uh, anytime. Uh, unless I'm flying an aircraft, a, you know, a, a real helicopter at that point. Mm-hmm. I pretty much yeah. an- answer the telephone, yeah, uh, and and I help customers out anytime. So, yep, definitely. Don't call him when he's flying, yeah, don't call when he's flying. <laughs> but definitely look at lanesplanes.com and not just for the plane stuff. For any of you Boston builders out there, he has these awesome tour organizers and you know like ways of like organizing your uh, covering. Um, you know, for folks that do a lot of covering, you'll end up having like 20 rolls of covering. Well, he has an organizer for that too. So, uh, definitely check out his, uh, tool stuff too. Nice. Thank All right. You. Yeah. And also, I guess they're your wife and, uh, uh, kid, they do the laser cut stuff, right? That's their portion of it. My wife does most of the laser cutting now, Christy. Um, mm-hmm. and my son, my 16 year old, He'll every now and then come out here and design something just for fun, or he'll do a school project. He's got the coolest school projects because he's the only person in town with a laser. Right. Uh, Fire the lasers. So, yeah, so he <laughs> makes he makes really cool stuff. In fact, his last teacher said, I'm not accepting that because you didn't make that. And he said, uh, I certainly did. <laughs> so, nice. pretty cool. Nice. Awesome. All right. Sweet. Okay. Uh so we're going to skip the Facebook likes, comments this week, uh, all the comments stuff. We'll kind of touch back onto that next week. It's just uh, we went a little long on this episode. So before drop- we say sign off, dude, Yeah, I want to say, Lane, thank you for your service, man. Yes. I can't imagine what you and the boys went through over there. And Yes. Uh, and But just wanted to say thank you very much, thank- man. We appreciate it. You thank you. And, uh, and, and thank you, too. Yeah. Awesome. So. All right. Well. Thank you, uh, Lane, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for letting me ramble. It's fun. I like yeah. to ramble. Maybe, you know, yeah. people say I talk a lot. I don't really talk a lot. Do I really nah, talk nah, a lot? Not Do at you all. think I talk really <laughs> not, not at all. Three hours and 56 minutes. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, no. Huh? No, um, you know what? It's cool. The more talking you do, the less talking I have to do. So I'm okay with that. Nice. Yeah, and after a couple of years, people are getting sick of hearing us talk. Yeah, exactly. So you're welcome <laughs> on the show anytime you want. Um Definitely, if you have new products coming out and you want to highlight them, come on the show and talk about it. We're sure, definitely yeah. open to that. So All the right. real question is, what are you guys drinking tonight? Absolutely nothing. Nothing, yeah, yeah. We do this. What? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually on call, so I can't drink for a week. Uh, on call for? His work. For the yeah. job. 
But uh, yeah, uh-huh. y- Yingling is my drink of choice tonight. There you go. Nice. I have to drive all the way to Tennessee to get it because they don't sell it in Nebraska. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? For yep, the it's not, too. It, it's not west of the Mississippi. Ah, okay. Jeez. Wow. I bring home 2012 packs every time I go that way. There you go. And I don't even drink that much. <laughs> yeah. But that's like, what, a two-week supply? A week? <laughs> oh, well, you know, three hours and what are we at? Well, I'm at two hours and 55 minutes on my counter, but you guys were on before me. So, yeah. okay. I got questions for you real quick. Let's take a couple more minutes. What do you say? <laughs> All right, go for it. What you <laughs> What's your favorite kind of flying? My favorite so, kind of flying? Yeah. It's big Air 3D stuff. With airplanes or helicopters? Helicopters. Okay, the airplane yeah. stuff is good, too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, seeing the, the pro airplane guys do their stuff is is awesome, too. Okay, and Kevin? I don't know. I'd have to say anything, really. I mean, scale. To me, to me, flying is, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy seeing a scale model go around. I love messing around with the helicopters and banging them around. I'd say anything that I get enjoyment out of seeing, it's kind of like music in a way to me. Like, I don't listen to music just to listen to music. It has to have some kind of emotional response. Like, I either have to be, you know, like I listen to heavy metal because gets you pumped up and i don't know it's the same way with flying like i'd i'd you know the the scale stuff is more like the slower music and uh the fast 3d stuff is more like the heavy stuff and if i'm laughing like an idiot at the end of the day then i've had a lot of fun (laughs) okay if you if you had one airplane or one aircraft airplane or helicopter pick one of each that that's all you can fly for the next two years what airplane and what helicopter is it Mm, uh, go, go, go for it, Kevin. <laughs> the Logo 690 helicopter and uh, the Sukhoi. I'll take the Sukhoi. What, which Sukhoi? Um, the Park Zone Sukhoi. Really? Like the, the, the green one. I've had so much fun with that plane. Yeah. That's just right off the top of my head. Dragging tail tips and, yeah. Yeah, I, I <laughs> dragged the tail with that thing. And I, I got a 4S version now that I made. And yeah, it's just, it's it's been a lot of fun. Okay, yeah. Steve? Uh, let's see, uh, Goblin, Goblin, Black Nitro, or 700 Electric, either one I'm, I'm happy with, and uh, Plane, I really enjoy the FT Vigan, that's kind of my, like, go-to plane now, you know? Huh. Little EDF, you know, and flies very well, and I even made a fiberglass version, fiberglass nice. in the foam board, yeah. That's kind of cool. Okay, fast airplanes or slow airplanes, which one's more fun for you guys? Fast, all the way. Kevin? Uh, Mikey's RC. I'd have, to, I'd have to lean towards the slow airplanes. Mikey's RC. Even though I said Sukhoi, like just general airplanes, like I, I really liked seeing that big, or the I love the SE five. So I mean, the the two models I had of that just flying around scale was was pretty cool. So and Kevin, need, fast. So Kevin, you need a Norman, and Steve, you need a Cuda. Okay, oh, we got that. <laughs> I'm telling you, the first time I saw and heard that Cuda, I'm like, oh, I want one. <laughs> I have the Cuda page opened up right now, the 35-inch Cuda. I want the night one. The night one looks really sweet. Even if I don't put LEDs in it, just with the chevrons and stuff, I just like the design. I just like the cutouts and stuff. I'm telling yeah. you, 120, 130 mile an hour in pitch black is an absolute riot. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it gets I, I the, love the it. blood pumping, yeah. Cool. Okay, what kind of car do you drive, Kevin? Uh, a Jeep, black Jeep, JK. Okay, Steve? 
Uh, Hyundai SUV, just a, a family car. Uh, okay. Something I could put helicopters in, basically. Right. Okay. And well, the kids. Cool. And and I can't think of anything else. All right. You're not going to hack my account, are you? <laughs> maybe a, maybe a little. Okay. <laughs> Mother's maiden name. <laughs> yeah. How much How much money you got in there? <laughs> he he flies helicopters. Not much. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. How long have you guys been doing this show? Uh, this is third year. We started late. We started in December of 2015. 14. 2014? 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was it 20? No, it was no 2015. Yeah, yeah. You're right. December of 2015. We basically, after the flight fest of that year, we're like, we should start a podcast. And we did. <laughs> That's cool. Well, myself and uh, a couple other, uh, well, well-known folks are considering starting another, another podcast also. So nice. Yeah, do nice. it. Do it. Well, we, we need we that. We need the computer people. We don't have, we're not computer guys. I'm not a computer guy. My DX18 has never been plugged into the internet and updated. Yeah, I don't bother. Oh, wow. Yeah. That gives you an idea of how non-computer guy I am. Don't so. tell me your laser cutter is running on Windows 98. Uh, it my <laughs> actually my CNC, my hotwire. Oh, that's even, definitely probably. <laughs> I don't even think it's it's Windows 98. I think it's older than that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but five. <laughs> no, the the lasers. We've got these computers. These are fully updated, and uh, and everything's pretty much okay. accurate here. And we've got some pretty kick butt CAD programs too. So nice. All uh, right, all right. That's all so, I got. Cool. All right. Drop us an iTunes review. We'll read the review in the next episode. Email us at free4rc at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash free4rc podcast. Check out our webpage, free4rcpodcast.show. Dot show. Or dot com. Either one. To go to the same site. Flight test forums, off the field, audio and video production, other than flight test podcast, free4rc podcast sitting next to our friends, the FT community cast. Hey, Patch Old Mike. rchelihangouts.com forum under rchelihangouts main section, podcast corner. And free for RC podcast sitting next to our friends, the RC Heli Hooligans podcast. Hey, Walt and Ed. And a full pitch RC Heli podcast. Javier and Jimmy Jones. Jimmy Jones. All right. <laughs> and don't forget uh, to go to Lane's Planes. Yes. Go to Lane's Planes. <laughs> buy a plane. He'll have a ship that day. <gasps> right. And like us on Facebook and watch yes. the video of the 150 mile an hour CUDA. Yes. Yes. Check out his videos. Check out his Facebook page. Uh, so, yeah. And. If you guys go to uh, Flight Fest, for sure, stop by and say hi to Lane. And yes. uh, Yeah, awesome. All right. Free our skies, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lane. Thanks Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Oh, thank you very much for coming on the show, man. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. I, 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 as you can tell, I enjoy doing podcasts. They're fun. Yeah, yeah. I could tell you kind of missed it, you know? And, and I didn't want to, I don't know if this was like something I wanted to do. Like,